Hi, I'm Tom Scholey, co-writer and artist of Transformers vs. G.I. Joe and creator of American Barbarian, and you are listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> Have you been practicing? Maybe. Right you, in the mirror. You, I was just going to say, do you look into the mirror when you do it to see your throat get all Pavarotti-like? I just, you know, I have to, whether or not I get the hunches up. No, it's, it's, it's a thing. Don't worry about it. Yeah. we got to change your tagline. You're no longer Man of a Thousand Podcasts. we got to call you, like, something like Pavarotti-ish, like King of the High Seas or the High... I think I've been that in about eight or nine years, but thank you. Yeah, I know. You run a lot of shows. Like over a decade ago. Right. So did they disappear? No, right. you are. You are. I mean, they, they're in the ether, right? Like, I, I bet you'd have trouble finding them. out there. Are they? Uh, yeah. Comic timing archive that, that people could listen to their I, content? Quite, I am quite sure Ian still has them. Um, probably, they're, they're probably NFTs now, but the... Um, oh, boy. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, still fully archived, and I can, I can, I can hit up Bruce Rosenberger. I'm sure. There we go. <laughs> and the listeners can hit us up anytime they want to because this is Eleven O'clock Comics, episode seven hundred and forty-three. Yeah, and I'm Vince B. Who are Vince B? I am David A. Price. Indeed, you are, and of course, I am Clemagor Tershkug Bogwash. Oh my goodness! <laughs> nice. Yes. So much love. So much love. <laughs> uh, you're not, and we'll talk about that later. Why you're not? You're Jason Wood, everybody. And what's that sound? What do I hear? I hear something, something different, something new, something fresh. Jason, what is that sound? Yes, well, it is fresh, so fresh and so clean, like like my man's haircut. Um, our guest tonight is is some might say long overdue, although uh, as he'll vouch when we introduce him, he's had a standing invitation to come on the show for uh, for for many years now. We had the great fortune of meeting him in person. Um, I think five years ago. That was, was the that first Heroes, Jason. Yeah, so five or yeah. six, five or six years ago at Heroes Con. We were, uh, I believe it was the one that, that Vince unfortunately couldn't attend. So Dap and I were racing around Artist Alley as we're wont to do. And, uh, yeah, we, and, we. and a few fo- few fellow art collectors were like, you know, you know, insert name here. And I'm like, I do not. Went over and, uh, and, and met this fine fellow and was immediately taken by his sartorial splendor of, of a dope-ass suit. And uh, uh, we chatted up and he did some killer art. And then while I was there, he was like, "Hey, got this uh, this graphic novel I did, uh, this comic. You, you want to check it out?" I, I ch- looked through it, bought it, and you all know that comic because I raved about it on the show shortly thereafter. And it was my, it was uh, it was it was I, I named it one of my favorite works of that year. That book was Teeter Topple. So now you know that, of course, I am talking about our guest tonight, longtime friend of the show. Indie creator here to talk about several other of his works, uh, including Evermore Falls and The Cult of Icarus. Everyone, please welcome to the show, after many years in waiting, Mr. Carl Slominski. Guys, it's an absolute pleasure to be here tonight. Now you get to hear me use radio voice all night. Wow, I like it. Love it. Oh, yeah. It's, it's robust. Don Pardo over here. <laughs> <laughs> Tell them what Shut they've up. won, Carl Slominski. 
Now, let's take well, care of some do. business before we get into the festivities, because it's that time. This episode has been brought to you by Discount Comic Book Service. Now I'm doing it. It's infectious. DCBService.com, one more time for the people who don't pay attention, DCBService.com, where you get your books, get them fast, get them delivered right to your door for an eensy-teensy fraction of what everybody else is paying. There are specials aplenty. Here are three. First, from Image, it's Ant, number one, by Mr. Eric the Man Larson. This is a continu- This is a new series. Now, issue 12 came out today, yesterday. And you're going to be hearing maybe some more about that later on the show. But he's starting the series over from number one because he's piloting the ship all by himself. It's a $3.99 cover price book. You are going to pay $1.99. From Marvel, we got The Defenders by Al Ewing and Javier Rodriguez. A miniseries, five issues. This is the first priced at $3.99. Stop laughing because you know you're so happy. You know you're not going to pay anywhere near that. You are going to pay 50% of that. $1.99. And time to giggle. From Vault Comics, it's Deadbox number one from Mark Russell and Ben Tizma. It's the red box machine that knows more about the citizens of Lost Turkey than the citizens themselves. It's cool. $3.99 cover price. Again, boys' pants half off. $1.99. DCBService.com does not mind late orders or order editions, and you get your books delivered right to your damn door by a happy, smiling delivery person. There's nothing better in the world. DCBService.com. There we go. Beautiful. What so are you drinking, Vince? Oh, I don't know. I want to hear what Carl's drinking. Oh, uh, I am polishing off the last of one of the finer bourbons I've had in my life, Redwood Empire's Pipe Dream. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, oh it is good. Gentlemen, I am not familiar. This is good. This is smoking jacket bourbon right here. Wow. Pinky oh, out. Finishing it off with us. That's, wow. I got to keep an eye out for that. It's uh, it's one of my new favorites. What's the proof on that? Oh, Jesus. That's a good question. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't say. It's either that or I ripped half the label off by accident. <laughs> if it doesn't say, it's probably too high for your own good. So Probably. Yeah. Probably. I've, I've drank a few motor oil uh, whiskeys <laughs> in my day. I've degreased an engine or two, but uh, it feels nice when you're, you're feeling a little bit fancy. Oh, you, yeah. Uh, you picked it up in your neck of the woods? Uh, yeah. Okay. It's out there. If it's meant to be, it'll find you. Right? You've got that right? With jealousy. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. A little bit, yeah. That's how it goes. Um, I'm just drinking water. I'm sorry. It's But it's, uh, again, it's wild cherry flavored water. Oh, that's not just water. I suck. No. I know. I got to start. Sleep not suck, my friend. No, you know what? Uh, it, I, because I'm worried about the beer with the calories. And right. the and oh, the yeah. bloat and and the wine is almost the same thing with the sugar. So maybe I should start drinking like bourbon and shit. I know the the sugar content's high in that too, right? But I won't drink as much of it because I'm a panty waste. I'll have just you know. Yeah, I think I I it'll because you're not gonna chug a bourbon like you would a beer. Not that you chug beers, but right? It, well, it, no, I I tend longer. to. Yeah, I tend and, to. And and it will. I I think it's. I mean, I, 
that's just me. I find it more palatable than beer overall. But it, it's yeah, it, it it's it's a whole thing. Don't worry. But no, I, right. I agree with you. Yes, I, I I think bourbon would be your middle ground between the wine with the sugar and the liquid bread. Um, right, right. I want to tell Carl a story. Carl. Oh, I'm off. I want to hear what Jason's drinking first. Well, no, this is related to you, so I have to tell it now. We went to Dap's house last week, right? I saw there was photographic evidence of three very handsome gentlemen. Well, yeah, Um, be that as it may. (laughs) So we're we're in Dap's house, and we're we're getting ready to record, and Dap gets a glass, and he puts, you know, whatever he was drinking in it, and he's got an ice cube that looks like the fucking Borg ship. Like, it is, it is, this, it is this massive softball-sized cube. And I'm like, that is awesome. That, that, I was impressed by his ice cube. And he, he was beaming. He was. He was like, well, oh. dude, I mean, now, because you, you, you saw what I do every Thursday night. It, it's that, that cube goes in that glass and then the beverage and that's it so it was when it melts is there a little lacutus in in the middle of the <laughs> he's back in france <laughs> yeah that's right he's in france so there's a there's a little grape in the middle that's... of it <laughs> a boring grape but anyway yeah so <laughs> next up i'm drinking coffee at a boy wow yes. well, uh, did you, what kind did you make it yourself or yeah, I always yeah, I you know, I've got the uh I've got the virtual the virtual line, the Nespresso virtual pods. Oh, okay. I'm drinking uh I believe it's uh it's uh Odasio is the is the type of mm. it's right bold. Fortune favors the bold, Vince. I tell me about it. And the broken. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> I take my I take my coffee with a splash of almond milk and a Splenda. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Vince. Vince is every time I talk to Vince now, you can just hear in his head he's thinking he's he's removed all the joy from his life. The fuck did I? No, more often than not, it's like the fuck did I get myself into? Why? Yeah. <laughs> I think you drink your coffee that way. You have elevated my life in more ways than I can oh, possibly tell you. Make me cry. No, it's true. So don't be fronting on the. No, I. I yeah, whatever. Let's just move on. Enough of that shit. Dap, <laughs> Dap what are you drinking? Uh, well, I, I did have water right next to me. I had a big ass, uh, what is this, half half liter of uh, of Poland Spring. But once I knew that um, our beautiful guest had a um, had a nice glass of bourbon with him, I um, I ran downstairs, and right next to me, right now, when I because what's in the glass right now with the big ass cube fence is um is a little bit of uh jameson black barrel but after nice. that um i'm going to uh have some uh, basil hayden's nice that's go. the go-to yeah well that's that's usually i you know i i bought that specifically for when tony is on the show because that's what he usually has when he visits um and since he you know i still have it and um and we have a guest and i love carl and uh i figured you know what it's a perfect opportunity to have some of this yeah there you go so let's uh, roll out that red carpet for our guest because he's something damn special and i want to talk all about i want to hear all about everything evermore falls everything just let's just get him on the spot right now you guys 
flatter me. Oh, I'm so flattered. Well, should, you shouldn't be. You do us uh, an honor by being here. So, Evermore Falls. Yeah. It's it's Massive been hit. it's been a success. No, on on the Kickstarter, right? It it's chugging. It's doing really well. Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, first four days, it was funded completely. <laughs> I I follow yeah. you on the Twitter. And I've seen you. Your excitement as things were coming in, you were sending tweets out. I was I was happy to share, be able to share the experience with you like i don't value social media all that much but in this instance i was like i'm i'm glad this platform exists so i can see these things coming out and be just like trying to be as giddy as you as you were getting the the increasing you know the news and the the developments was awesome yeah and i've definitely dropped social media for the most part i mean the last couple years have almost rendered it completely unnecessary (laughs) because it's just a bad idea amplification system now and a lot of people in comics are indoor kids, so their bad ideas come tenfold. But uh, it, it genuinely was like just tracking the numbers of me just being like, yay, I'm doing the thing. Aw. But, I, you know, you are, I think, one of, at least on my feed anyway, you're one of the biggest indie comics cheerleaders. Like when somebody has a, pro- a project currently in the works, you'll be retweeting it. I, I see oh, it all. Yeah. yeah, I see it all the time. That's, that's great. Go team it's never indie a comics. Sign when I'm not talking about indie comics because that means I haven't found anything. <laughs> uh, or you're working. Yeah, <laughs> I've been known to do a little bit of both: throw shade and work my ass off. <laughs> Sometimes in the same tweet. Usually in the same tweet. <laughs> yeah. Now, specifically, I, Evermore Falls. It, it's not an overnight project, right? This has been on the back burner for a long time, right? Yeah, I stepped into this uh, almost immediately after that first Heroes where we all met. Well, except for you, sir. Yeah, I'm sorry. But, um, yeah, right after that summer, uh, the lady and I moved into a new apartment. And it was like, well, what is my next project after Teeter Topple? And uh, I had been running around in my brain like what I wanted to do because I have way too many ideas to tackle at once. And I wanted to do something that was a little bit more commercial than the tone poem that is Teeter Topple. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought to myself, I uh, had just come off of doing concept art for a uh, horror anthology film that's now on Shutter called The Mortuary Collection. And a lot of people were really receptive to the Kickstarter campaign for part of the funding for that because of my concept art and the monsters and the spooky, scary stuff. And I thought, you know, why not do something that revolves around that? And tell just a good old-fashioned kid adventure story because looking at the landscape, especially now, uh, kids' graphic novels look like caca. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're really condescending in a way I didn't know comics could be for kids. <laughs> and uh, it really bummed me out because I grew up, like most of us on the show here, reading the same comics that like the Wednesday Warriors were reading because at the time they were written for everyone. And now there seems to be this delineation between what makes a kid's comic versus a newsstand comic versus a adult comic. And it's, it's nauseating. <laughs> so I wanted to make a story that was fantastical and exciting and, uh, you know, something that if I picked it up as a kid, I'd be like, well, fuck yeah, now I'm drawing comics for the rest of my life. And so it began. 
That's the dream, right? It's been the dream for way too long. I have an unhealthy relationship with comics that is also completely healthy <laughs> because I keep it in check and I also pursue it uh, like the dream girl that it is. Well, I could imagine that you your work ethic is pretty pretty robust because Evermore Falls is a thick ass book. Following yeah. on the on the heels of um, Teeter, right? And then you have something else of which we're, we'll speak coming out very soon. Also, it's like it seems that I can't imagine these pages just flying off the drawing table, right? There, especially Evermore Falls. There are moments where the detail is staggering. I mean, okay. super hot. Yeah, especially the while I'll go to the go-to when they walk into Copper Bottoms. Mm. Cre- creepy cabinet of curiosities and antiques. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> it's just littered with with interesting stuff. And I got to ask: Is that a 2000 AD sign? It looks yeah. like <laughs> I knew oh, it. Yeah. I knew it. Oh, nice. My, my brother, this thing is <laughs> inside jokes that like the diehards will get. Like kids yeah. won't get them, but like. It's for everyone, so I've got to give some meat to everybody else. Uh, oh yeah, so. there's definitely homages all throughout it. I, yeah, I assume yeah. that the the fish in the in the in the bowl is is a, is a Seuss fish. It looks just like Doctor Seuss. Dr. It Seuss. is a Seuss. It yes. is a Seuss. Nice. And I, I know you're a fan of the uh, Mr. Douglas Adams. The uh, the people or uh, the things are also people is uh, a play on one of the lines from the restaurant at the end of the universe. Ah uh, yes, yes indeed. Very um, nice. That's amazing. I see this uh, as a very shape-based book, mm-hmm. which which is extremely interesting to me because you you have Izzy, who has a very distinctive shape. The, the, her head is 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 football shaped to a degree, and then Milo is like a a very stocky salt and pepper shaker shape, you know. But you have these exaggerated shapes for the the characters, but the backgrounds. Wow, they're not hyper-realistic. There's a lot more realism in the background and just bristling with detail. Like I think that that juxtaposition of of not simple, but um, what's the word I'm trying to find? Um, reductive. Streamlined. Yeah, very very streamlined, very reductive shapes against super detail. It just it makes the characters pop. One thing, but it, it, you're establishing this world like, yeah, there is a reality to this world, but not so much for the people that live in it, you know, because they're 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 very um, exaggerated characters, which I thought was just stunning. Yeah, but when a, you it was an active decision too to draw the the characters in it uh, a little exaggerated and a little bit more cartoony because yeah. I mean it is still intended for kids, and I think kind of the crudeness of the streamlined, simplistic cartoon line against the detailed background is what's missing. Because, I mean, when was the last time you saw a fucking background in a comic book? Mm. Well, I want to say burn, but not so much. <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, even it, it's what I what I appreciated early on. And I, I'm, I'm, you know, full disclosure, I, I did not... You sent this, the advanced PDF. I did not finish it because I want to read the book when I get it yeah, the campaign. Yeah, I did the same thing. So I, I didn't, didn't finish it either. I, I, I don't know how it ends. I don't know how far we get into it. But, um, you know, early on, we're introduced, of course, to the kids. We're introduced to Seth. And then 
it's a dick. You know, it's not until you get to right. It's not until you get to the um, well. Well, you see, um, it, the first gentleman we come across at the uh, at at the bar, the liquor store. You get the copper bottoms, and and even with the babysitter, um, the adults or not even the adults, but the the kids are definitely at least as far as what I've read so far. Um, they're definitely the more cartoony, exaggerated figures, and I think sure. I I love that. I, I I think it's fitting since since this is all ages, and and you're you know if if you're a kid, you're going to I I, I would think that you'd be really into because be, when we were kids, and and I mean we had we had some more we had some more serious cartoons like G Force or Bionic Six or Thundercats, yeah. but 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 you also had but I mean younger than us, you had you had Rugrats. Uh, you had a Arnold and everything looked weird, right? And Stimpy, everything just looked weird. And, and, and I like the idea that, that the kids are the more cartoony characters in this book. And, um, you kind of lose that sense of wonder or exaggeration as you get older. Therefore, anybody older than the certain age kind of will, will look more normal or, or realistic as far as this book is concerned. And I, I, I like the way it differentiates. Thank you, man. That was uh, that was an active decision in the very beginning, and uh, the kids are also written smarter than the adults in this intentionally, um, and more hopeful <laughs> because it's been my experience that kids uh, care more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you get that vibe. I mean, one of the things I, I love about it is is that it uh, it pulls at the heartstrings nostalgia wise, right? Like at least it did for me. Um, like I to your point about the kids being smarter than it 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 struck me because of the babysitter dynamic of like adventures in babysitting but Absolutely. set in a really fantastical realm right like yep. you can picture her being the straight woman kind of just like stumbling through it and being like what the fuck did I get into but the kids are like about about it they just get it like the kids aren't at all put off by the fact that they're transported to an alternative <laughs> realm or dimension I mean they're just like oh cool like it 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 doesn't even phase them there's not a moment of like what are we supposed to do? They're just like, all right, let's be about it, about it, you know, which is, again, it's nice to think that um, this, this, you know, the idea that kids, the kids are pure of spirit and, and haven't been jaded into losing their sense of adventure and imagination, I think rings true throughout the, throughout the, the book. And I, I, I really thought that, that you, you struck just the right tone in that regard because it comes through naturally. Thanks, man. Man, I feel like I should have paid you guys for this. Huh. I, I have a question because you know Vince alluded that you've been, you you worked on this you've been at this for for a while. You sent me yeah. a copy of this um, <laughs> a minute or two ago. I mean it, it was it was pre pandemic, so year and a half, two years ago, I guess. Um, oh yeah. I, I'm now I had I had read it then and then I reread it for the show, but I reread the version you sent us. Um, what were there any substantive changes between then and now? Uh, not really, just a few edits in the dialogue. Okay. Yeah. Um, and even that was minimal because I, I really knew what I was setting out to do from the jump. So, I mean, the story you got is exactly the story yeah, that's that what I thought. was okay. being told. I couldn't uh -oh. think of anything. That's why I wanted to ask because I was like, ah, it doesn't feel like there's, there's, there's any – because, you know, I would, that, would, that would have been a whole fascinating line of, of like – of the idea of, of are you one of those people that, uh, that just can't ever be done with something, right? And I don't think that's you. I mean, you've, you've got a lot of things in the can, right? You're, you're not uh, – you're not uh, you're not George R. R. Martin, right? Who's who's still trying to uh, finish his final <laughs> book, if, 
eight years later. You want me to shank the ending? I can shank the ending. (laughs) (laughs) I I blame the... No, no, no. We can't blame no, him. Only if, only if D&D have a hand in creating and bringing this to life. Not to go off on a tangent, but but that's an interesting conversation. Can we blame Martin for the way Game of Thrones ended? On one hand, obviously he had nothing to do with it, but then one could say that he's to blame because he had nothing to do with it. Like, they had to come up with their own ending because he didn't ever finish the book in time. So... But they could have ended up with it. They also could have given us a better ending even with it oh no i'm with you i i think i think the blame doesn't lie with him primarily but i don't think he's blameless right but anyway that's that's it i've i've for the last few years i'm very late to the game of thrones thing so when i finally did watch it the ending everybody was just like so pissed off about it and i was like you know what really would have pissed them all off if like they just opened the doors to the fucking ice zombie motherfuckers that I don't remember the name for because I'm not that invested in <laughs> fantasy. Yeah. It would have been great if just at the very end a goddamn flying saucer drops in and I just <laughs> would hear screams. Like <laughs> That night of that last episode I wanted to throw up the window and just hear screams of a thousand fans just Harry Carey just <laughs> pissed off over that. And I would have been like, that's genius. That Right there. Well done, sir. Yep. Twin, yeah. The end of you Twin Peaks season it. two. There you go. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. I mean, that that's a whole different thing when you avoid the cultural zeitgeist of something like that and just enjoy and just enjoy it or, or absorb it for for its own. It's a totally different experience because that that watching it as it was coming out. I mean, that last season was so divisive and people were either absolutely livid by it or or, or in defense of it. And then the ending came and you just saw people just fighting so hard to to stay stay true to their own narrative like you said people like just be like no nah, no it was it was it was dope i think like if you <laughs> just really think hard about it, it was it was really fitting the ending right like with the just, six like, stages of guilt over, the giant the question the over their own head you know you could just see the the, the question mark caption caption balloon but uh yeah anyway um so, so, you know, knowing you, and, and we did do a, a, a print interview years ago uh, when we were doing print stuff for the site, um, you know, you, like, given the stuff I know you're interested in, like, all ages adventure novel wouldn't be the thing I think that I would, like, expect you to pitch. So, like, I'm kind of fascinated by by that. Um, you alluded to you wanted to do something a little more accessible after Teeter Topple, but... Um, but but was that really as simple as that, or or do you do do you have a soft spot for that kind of story, um, you know? And you just wanted to to pay homage to it. I I have to be honest. First of all, great question. Thank you, sir. Because mm. um, I really was in a weird headspace after Teeter Topple kind of shit bombed out of my hands, and then organically found an audience that just like absolutely loved it, like. Especially, and I have to hand that all to you guys, because if it wasn't for word of mouth and the EOC Brotherhood, I don't think that book would have found an audience to save its life, because it nearly didn't. And that book was very personal to me, and I put way too much thought and time into it. And um, it was just really, really cool to see something grow legs without really anything other than people being like, have you read this yet? Like, I've had people come up to me at shows and be like, you're the guy that did this book. Well, I heard about this on 11 o'clock comics. This is the only graphic novel to make me cry. And I'm like, holy shit. Wow. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> and well, I'm, you can thank me. 
Jason wasn't really <laughs> feeling like reading it. And I'm like, dude, you got to read it. It's awesome. But, I mean, honestly. It's the part where you bought, you bought pages from the book, too, Vince? Oh, sure. I, yeah, I did. Um, right, cool. But what I will say about Teeter Topple, I think the artwork speaks for itself. If you can find a way to get that artwork under people's noses, how could you not invest in that book? I mean, it's just gorgeous, yeah. Yeah. right? And that, that's the, the, the problem. You know, I, I sympathize with a lot of, of artists because it's like, how do you get eyes on your work? If the work is of quality, which yours obviously is, I think Thank it would, you. I think it'll sell itself, right? But that's the dilemma is how to get that out there. You could, you should, you could social media to, to your blue in the face, but if nobody's paying attention, right? Um, but I'm glad. Well, that also speaks to, one of my main concerns with comics right now is don't forget there's a separation between the industry and the medium right. because the industry will chase trends. It will chase the loudest person on the soapbox. It will put out whatever it thinks because comics industry has been working in survival mode since the late 90s. Yeah, it's, Everybody kind of knows that. It's the thing that we don't talk about or the people that are now in comics don't know about because they're babies. But... First and foremost, the art could sell itself if we were seeing more art and not comics by committee or people right. on their tablets scribbling in fucking Procreate. Like, I, I'm all shade intended when I say four out of five books I pick up on Wednesday because I do still go every Wednesday. I'm like, what is this? Why does this feel so sterile? Why does this feel so stiff? It's because there's no soul to it. There's no connection from the hand to the pen to the paper. Mm. If you take that step out, it loses that life, that energy that makes it so tangible in the first place. So, I don't know. Is there a way we can correct that? Yeah. Scream louder, motherfucker. That's what I'm mm -hmm. doing. Well, well, you so so. Uh, I mean, let's 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 talk about this a bit because because again, you you at least um, in your more active times on social media, you have not been shy about sharing opinions good bad or ugly about uh, the state of of comics um and and you know certainly and we don't have to get into to it all but you've gotten some um you, you've 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 had some some fits and starts with getting some of your stuff published or or, or what have you um but but with evermore and the kickstarter it like you said it was a success this time in a couple of days you were fully funded so um it strikes me that that the crowdsourcing model um, is pretty vibrant right now, and, and and I guess did you did you go into the campaign with a sense of confidence, or were you pleasantly surprised, and and, and why now? Like, what prompted you to, to to finally go ahead and 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 do it now? It's a double edged sword because yes, I did go in with confidence because Evermore Falls is a great book. I don't make shitty books. I'm not in the business yeah. of making shitty books. I'll give you a Carl Slaminski book every time. You can guarantee it's going to be fun dynamic it relies zero on continuity and it's going to be something that is a true testament to a love of the medium two we're in like the golden age of kickstarter comics thanks to unfortunately uh quarantine lockdown pandemic what have you two three months without diamond and we certainly found out that like everybody wanted to get their books out because everybody now has a kickstarter doesn't matter if you're scott snyder or carl slaminski we all got Kickstarters now. We all got our books out some way, by hook or by crook. But I was modestly hoping that the people that followed me from Teeter Topple would you know, support the project. But Kickstarter wasn't my initial home for it. I definitely set out to pitch this at large. 
Um, and I was very fortunate enough to uh, get myself a lit agent based off of it. And then I went into the process of pitching it outright on a large scale. And that's when the gray hair started coming out because that is a roller coaster. And, and I mean, do you mean just in terms of you get your hopes up that a publisher wants to hear about it, you have a meeting, and then they say no, and, and it's rinse repeat? Is that what you mean by roller coaster? Or do you mean like the lit agent kind of gets you hyped up intentionally or unintentionally and, and like it's never it's not quite as materialized as they lead you to believe? I'm just because I, I, for all the guests we've had over the years, I don't know that we've often talked about what an agent does or doesn't do for you and, and, and their role and, and whether it's a, you know, something that, that, uh, you know, that's an asset. Oh, sure. Uh, in many ways, uh, an agent is an asset, especially if you're trying to get into the lit space, which when you're doing an all-ages book, it almost feels like, especially three or four years ago when I was working on this, would be more of an asset because the market was generally sweeping closer to uh, big box book chains and all-ages stuff. Like, there was just a massive, massive outcry for that kind of stuff because we're trying to build that market up. And um, I, uh, I got an agent, a very lovely gentleman, who fought tooth and nail for me. And we went out to every major publisher. When I say, like, way over 50, if they were a subsidiary of any company that you've ever heard of, we went to them. And the thing that made it discouraging wasn't that the book wasn't a viable property, because everybody said... It's a great story, but the responses were alarming about the perception of what makes a kid's comic or what makes a comic. I got notes back that were like, this is great, but it's too detailed for a kid's comic. Or, this is great, but comics aren't for escapism. This <laughs> is great, but we'd like to sell it as IP. And fantasy doesn't work in comics. Like boneheaded dumb ideas and if you look at the trades the majority of the stuff that's coming out for kids is either really really stupid no offense to the people that got them there and made them but they're very 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 condescending to a reader between the ages of 8 to 12 8 to 13 or they are like an 11 year old and his story about surviving the 9-11 attacks or a seven-year-old investigates the Flint, Michigan water crisis. You find me a kid that... Um, these are real books, too, by the way. Jesus. You find me the fucking kid that wants to read that book, i guaranteeing they are going to be the most boring adult you've ever met. Encyclopedia Brown is way different than it was when I was a kid. Oh, boy. You have no idea. <laughs> but it was... It's discouraging, too, because you also have these editors who just started you know, graphic novel imprints at these major publishers, and their idea of comics is the tumblerization of the medium, so it's everything is very bubbly and streamlined, and if you look at all ages books on the shelves right now, they all look the same. Like, I couldn't tell you four different artists that drew them in a row, because they all have that same pastiche, and it's... You hear enough people tell you that your work isn't good for reasons that you know they don't understand they're saying... And you're just like, what? What is this? Right. What? What industry is this? And how are you allowed to make comics? Mm -hmm. Well, it's very similar to what's going on within the traditional comic book industry. When you have one or two books of a certain type that that catch fire, 
um, oh, for sure. Then you see all of these copycats, right? That that yep. are trying. I mean, it started with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That was probably the the the. It's probably the best example of a book that strikes a chord, and then everybody rushes to to play that same instrument, right? Mm-hmm. To the same uh, degree of success, and it just doesn't happen that way. But I, I see that in the children's book industry, where you have you know one or two books that are super hot, and then you have a bunch of yeah, me too's coming in. Sure. And and yeah, it's, well, they're all chasing. I mean, I mean, to your point about the trade dress, it's like well, let's be honest, there are everyone's chasing Reina, right? I mean, yep. Reina, Reina puts out, and and I think her work's terrific, and and she's done an amazing job. But but like she does by design, she does these really simple trade dresses, right? Basically, a primary color, and then and then. A character or a or a close up of the character with a one word title. Usually, most books have one word titles, um, and because of and and to your point, like the the publishers, they they try and boil the the magic of her success into some kind of formula. Like, oh well, okay, let's look at Raina Tugamar. Oh well, her books are have simple trade dresses, and her books have one word titles, and. Her books are about a little kid going through a specific ordeal. So they just like they, they whiteboard it, literally whiteboard it, and then oh, yeah. and then they get writers who pitch similar elevator pitches. And and, and we all know and, and we spent last episode talking about the 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 magic and difficulty of encapsulating art uh, verbally. It, th- there's an art to it, right? Like what what can what what makes Arena's work connect with her audience goes beyond just a list of factors. Uh, of course, obviously, right? It, it, and that's true of any. Uh, what makes a, a a band stand the test of time versus fifty other bands that 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 came out of the same scene at the same time? It's, it's there, there's a magic to it, and and we we and understandably because we live in a world that's driven by profit. Um, and I say this as a capitalist who <laughs> makes my living that way. Um, you know, <laughs> but but inherently that that causes people to try and um, break down something. The, and take away the magic element of 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 appreciating art, whether it be commercial art or 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 not, or fine art. Right? It, it it's just there 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 is a there is an uh, there is an aspect to popularity that is impossible to recapture, or or it would be formulaic, and then you just. It, but that doesn't stop companies from trying. Yeah, I was thinking when you're talking about you're pitching this to fifty different people. I it reminded me of um uh, of Todd McFarlane. They um. Uh, Mocha did a did a uh, had a display of his work. Ah, God, it's probably four or five years ago now. Maybe, maybe it was even longer. I don't time flies, but but uh, and and one of the uh, pieces of the showing was a wall uh, in the back of the room, and the wall was papered wallpapered with all of the rejection notices that he got before he. I got do remember school. that. Yeah, I mean, they were, and he had literally hundreds of rejection notices. Um, and you know, it's a cliche, but but there's validity to that, right? Like, like your your experience for you um, was probably incredibly stressful and dejecting, and and and, uh, and 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 a trial. But but at the end of the day, like when you speak on it in the abstract and say, "Well, I went and pitched my my YA book, and it was it was negged by dozens of publishers," like that is probably or almost certainly the the expected outcome like that's the that is that is the most likely outcome right but it's difficult to come to terms with that when it's your work i mean it's got to be very very hard uh yes and no to a degree i expected 75% not interested but there is um kind of an unspoken understanding that if someone at a certain agency brings something maybe you should return an email 
like the the genuine lack of people doing their jobs in publishing will astonish you because it takes five seconds to look at like a lookbook version of a pitch sent by a person at a top tier agency and it's not like it's you know homeboy from sheboygan <laughs> you know <laughs> so it is always surprising when you're just like you didn't even write back like come on <laughs> yeah um I don't know. It's uh, it's a process that I am glad I did. Uh, I have an awesome relationship with my agent. Do I think I'm going to go that route every time? Absolutely not, especially sure. after this. Um, but in that way, it made me kind of reconfigure my priorities um, in a way that I am born again into comics because <laughs> now, I mean, I'm going in here like I don't have anything to lose. And like I went into launching the Kickstarter Forevermore Falls because I was like, listen, nobody wants it, but I know there's an audience for this. Like I'll bet on myself. It took me long enough. Why not? And it worked. Yeah. It did, surprisingly. I'll take more money though. If you guys want to keep buying copies of that book, <laughs> listeners. Because <laughs> this is literally the only way that I'm ever gonna see a profit on it and also get it caught like printed. <laughs> well, and there's but the 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 the, the strange uh awesomeness of of this process though right is that um you ended up on kickstarter by hook or by crook because you tried to go a more traditional route and and it wasn't to your satisfaction but then you're, you've been successfully funded so the work will see the light of day it will be in the hands of people that are generally genuinely interested in and in consuming it and presumably advocating for it because i think one of the awesome great you know one of the great things about kickstarter is that generally people that back stuff aren't just uh, interested in reading it as as uh, individuals, but they love to tout it and share it with others and, and spread Absolutely. the love. And then and then that there's this a litany of history throughout Kickstarter, particularly in the comics industry, of, of that opening doors that were closed to you before. And it's like a catch twenty two or a chicken and egg thing. But but uh, but you 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 either got the chicken or the, or the egg with this. And so I would wouldn't be at all surprised if if comics publishers as well as some of these. Uh, literary houses um, once they see a successful Kickstarter or two and the books are out there in the ether um, become suddenly more interested in your ideas right so like I, I guess the cool thing is that is that is that maybe at the end of the day um, it was all meant to be this way and, and it and it then serves as the catalyst that you can look back on this in another five or ten years and say uh, wow that seems like a long time ago and it seemed like nobody was really interested in publishing my stuff oh for sure and I'm I'm really into like the huru guru of it all. I believe in the universe giving you what you need when you need it. And I sure. think that all this, man, couple of contemplative years here uh, it really have reshaped how I view my output and how I want to deal with the stuff that I'm making. And, you know, if it does open more doors than it closed before, that's awesome. Uh, the thing that will be changing is me. Because genuinely, I just love making comics. I just want to get them out there. All right. What uh, I know, we talked. We've talked about this off air before, but for the listeners, what? Uh, how did you get into comics? What was your gateway? I mean, was it mainstream stuff? Was it indie stuff? Um, I'm one of those rare birds that didn't really know comics right away. I started making them before I even knew what they were. Really? Uh, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, when you're a kid, it's so easy to take scrap paper, staple it together, draw little yeah. boxes. Sure, sure. And like, look here, story, story me made. I, that was me growing up. I, the joke in the Slominski household was like my dad would draw for me until his drawings weren't good enough and I had to take the pen from him. 
And no joke, it just didn't stop from there. I was, you know, folding over paper and making like little mini comics when I was in like second or third grade. And then there was a used bookstore in town that was very much like Mr. Copperbottoms and Evermore Falls. It was just stacks of paperbacks and library books and what have you and secondhand novels to high heaven. And it was my home away from home. And he had quarter boxes of comics. And that's where I found uh, Jack Kirby. OMAC was like one of the earliest things I read because it was like, look, guy with Mohawk. Nice. Mohawk, cool. Kid like Mohawk, Carl Reed Comics. <laughs> it's like we're in the land of the lost. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I'm a very uh, lizard brain kind of guy. I yeah. very much just kind of think, like, does this inspire me? Yes, no, continue. And when I was a kid, like, that was, that was so eye-opening to just be like, this is pure force on a page. Like, especially with that early Kirby stuff, like, I didn't know Fantastic Four. I didn't know X-Men. And, like, the kids in the school were collecting all those Fleer X-Men cards and the animated series and all that. And I was like, but Jack Kirby, an artist I knew by name because this Mohawk character. And then it just kind of trickled down from there. The second thing I think I ever bought was Scud the Disposable Assassin. Oh, nice, yeah. So I already knew, like, indie comics was a thing, but I didn't understand what made an indie comic. And I didn't actually read, like, Jim Lee's X-Men and all that until I got to the Kubert School. And it was, like, kind of not vogue <laughs> to dig on that shit at that point. Sure. It was, like, the early aughts, and everyone was like, yeah, you know, we're really not doing this anymore. <laughs> and I was like, but why? It's really exciting. <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. Uh, when um, you were at the Kubert yeah, School, was, was, uh, yeah. was the master there? Uh, the maestro himself, yeah. Oh man, you want to talk about being in the presence of greatness? Hell yeah. He uh, he walked in because you don't in the Kubert School originally when I went there. I'm sure it's different now because it is under new ownership and what have you. Um, your sequential class is taught by or was taught by Adam the first year, uh, and he shows up and collects his paycheck. Uh, Andy the second <laughs> year, and he'll bring in his Mobius books, and you're like, you're way too good for mainstream comics. And then Joe comes in, and on day one, he goes, if you're not at your desk, you're not learning a goddamn thing. Oh, I love it. Yeah. And, like, you want to imagine Sergeant Rock? That's exactly how Joe was. If he wasn't silent, he was giving you angry nuggets of wisdom in a your work needs to be better than you think it is kind of way. Because when you get your third year, you have a lot of ego. Because you're like, yeah, we're inventing the future of comics. Or at least that's how it was back when I went there. Um... But like it's it's a hard workload from the jump. You are making comics twenty four seven. So if you don't love it, like my graduating class started, I want to say like one hundred and ten kids, and by that third year, it was down to maybe fifty six. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not surprising, but yeah, that's impressive. And, that is. And here's the funny thing about that: I talked to a couple of my buds that still I keep in touch with from there. And uh, I'll, I'll give him a shout out right now. My buddy Joe Lolar, who does Forever Winter, he and I are the only two people from that graduating class that didn't like sell out and get a job storyboarding stuff for Marvel. <laughs> <sighs> like we're the only two people making indie comics and like still grinding. And uh, we're probably the most well-adjusted out of that group. <laughs> oh, damn. Yeah. Well, the reason why I said that was awesome when you spoke about the 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 attrition uh, from the class is that I think that's great that the curriculum is, was so 
demanding that it weeded out the not so greats and yeah. the spur of the moment guys and because the world does not need any more mediocre artists they really don't uh and when, yeah well yeah this is true <laughs> but when you look at the pedigree from the Kubert school steve Bissett, uh total oh, yeah. ben veach like you can go down the list like there are a lot of world-class artists that came out of that school so uh, I, if I was, uh, you know, headmaster, I wouldn't want to push somebody through just because they're paying their tuition. If you can't cut it, GTFO, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's, the idea that's is you should be trying your hardest because you are paying your tuition. You want to make sure you get the most out of it. You yeah. Don't you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, Vince teaches at a college. I work at a college. And, and, and I think we both see, you know, kids who just figure that they're owed a certain grade because they paid their bill it's and true that's yeah that that's that's stupid yeah yeah i mean vince you've you've dealt with that very thing as a professor firsthand yeah yeah, yeah. i didn't get in the grade they wanted so they uh they dinged me on the the review i don't really give a <laughs> shit i don't care i give you the grade i could have failed them all but i didn't because of covid i i gave them all b's but yeah well that, that's irrelevant for but it you know uh, I want to say uh, my love of Joe Kubert is so great that I have a Joe Kubert T-square with his little nice. cartoon face on it, and I will... I have that, too. You come near my T-square, man, I'll I'll, I'll bite your throat. You're, wait, not getting, you're not getting it. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I find it amusing that you're, you're, you're professing your bona fide love for Kubert by talking about the T-square and not mentioning yeah. that you uh, have the man's oh, yeah. name well, and signature on your body tattooed. People know that, yeah. But it's nice. just, I, I did take a, a correspondence, a uh, couple correspondence classes at the Kubert School. And they I'll tell you, they were, it was hard. But put me through my paces and, and, and made me a better, uh, I think, uh, a better uh, artist for it. Yeah. But, I, I have a great Joe Kubert anecdote, if you oh, indulge me. Oh, yeah. Please. So we have an assignment in third year where you were supposed to do three or four pages of sequentials mimicking another artist's style. Mm. So, of course, you got like 100 Joe Mads because that was the year. You got like one or two people who were like, I want to be Steve McNiven or what have you. And I was just like, sure, I'm going to do Bill Sienkiewicz. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, and little little did I know that years later I'd be doing a book called Teeter Topple. But right. I... Uh, I was trying to break down like what made Sienkiewicz's work uh, so unique in like his Stray Toasters epic comics era, and we were fortunate enough that he did a guest lecture the week that I was finishing like the final papers, and they brought in this like caravan of original Billy Sink Sink artwork and hung it on the wall, and uh, his handler slapped my hand away from it, and he just talked for an hour, and I sat there. It's like listening to Billy Graham. I swear to God, I was converted. And <laughs> when I brought my pages to critique uh, in Joe's class, I had done an adaptation of Alice in Wonderland, the Mad Tea Party scene. And he sat down with me, and he looks at the pages, and he goes, so I guess you didn't take anything away from the Bill Sienkiewicz talk, huh? <laughs> And I'm sitting there looking at these pages that are just complete gonzo bananas wonderful. And I look at him because he's kind of hard to read. And he goes, no, I'd say you surpassed him on this one. Oh, wow. <laughs> High and, praise, uh, my man. I, uh, I, I didn't take it to heart because I don't have ego. 
even though I sound like I do. It's just fanfarinade. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he he looked at it and he was just like, okay. No notes, A plus. And I was like, oh shit. Wow. <laughs> Because there was, strong, there was a strong policy in the Kubert school that if you're doing A-plus work, you should probably be a professional. So most teachers adhere to, like, you get a B. B-plus is the highest you can do, which is really bizarre, but also it makes you bloodthirsty for the right. whole three years. So did you not just, like, drop dead of... of, of uh how much emotion did that instill in you when the the master Joe Kubert gives you an A plus? Like what? It I would have short lived because the following week he told me that my layouts were absolute crap. So. <laughs> <laughs> With one hand I caress and the other hand I slap. That's awesome. Listen, right. Yeah, we well, you know, know I listen. Forward, right? I I really do respond to tough love in that regard. Like if I'm going to get better, like you see it on Twitter every day, motherfuckers out here pretending like someone not liking your work or having notes is mean like no criticism makes you get better yes, like, yes. a lot of people oh, are showing sure. their hand they didn't go to art school and they just watched some youtube videos i don't have time for that shit i'm making comics nice not, not totally agree i mean not to just to, like that happened that very that very issue happened to me yesterday oh no I, uh you know I, I i do the fantasy football thing too and uh one of the things sports. they do is I, <laughs> yeah i know sports ball and and i edit i edit a series for uh, for for the company, uh, and we have some new writers, and so needless to say, it's their first foray writing for us. And certainly, if you've written, if you're freelancers, as you probably know, like there's there's different peccadillos and rules and formatting and and do's and don'ts, and depending on where you work, so it's it's totally natural that your first piece isn't going to be uh, amazing. And and you know, part of the gig is I have to send them hard notes and say you made this mistake, you did this wrong. But not like in a pejorative way completely. You know, I say, you know, good job, thanks for the effort, but just so you know, these are things that we need to tighten up for future articles. And so I had to do that with three people yesterday, and I gave very, de- very detailed notes, showed them yeah, examples, yeah. explained to them how I would have written it and, and how it should look. And it ran the gamut. I, I, I got one response about a half hour later from one of the people thanking me profusely and saying they really appreciate the feedback and that's how they get better and, and uh, they, they really hope that they take my comments and, and it's reflective of their next article. And I said, that's great. Um, one hasn't responded in any kind. Uh, and mm-hmm. the third responded basically, and I'm paraphrasing, but saying like, I'm a grown ass man, dog. You don't talk to me like that. <laughs> and, and I'm like... <laughs> Bro, like yep. not, this isn't this isn't like a alt dot rec dot football <laughs> forum. I mean, we we're a multi you know million dollar company that pays you a very healthy wage for your efforts. Like th- that's just that's part of you know. And my point, I'll only bring this up because it's like, dude, like you're right. There's a certain component of of of, and I don't know. It's I don't know that it's generational per se. I just think it's kind of a subset yes. of humanity. Just that just is like incapable of understanding that, that, that criticism of one's work, whether it be a artistic pursuit or a hobby or a vocation is, is requisite to get better. I mean, it's, it's just, uh, it's just absolutely required, you know? I, I think it comes with age and, and it's just one of those things where, um, and, and this, I, I, I went to Carl with this too, because it's, and I know, I know, you know, I was setting myself up for it because I, I, I told Carl that, you know, listen, I, I did this appropriate. It's digital. Don't stone me. I understand it's not actual, you know, pen on paper with zip tone attached. But, um, you know, I was 
interested in in some tips and and I'm at the point right now where if I'm asking for help it's because I want to learn I want to improve I I look forward it's the same thing in the kitchen I look I kind of look forward to messing up because I'll know what to do next time nothing's perfect all the time and if 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 someone is going to spend the time and actually give you advice criticize give you constructive criticism on on how to improve something why why would you I, I i know people do get upset about it but but i'm at a point in my life now where i'm like why do you spend all that energy getting upset over someone who's trying to explain to you how you can do something better and it's it it is it's it is yes it, it is a generational thing it's it's you know i mean we're we're at that stage now where you know we I grew up in a time when, you know, yeah, parents spanked their kids. God forbid it happens today. And 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 there's that whole sense of, you know, everybody gets a trophy and and it's just it's it's just the way things have changed and and in in some cases not for the better. Mhm. Yeah. Well, tough love, right? Yeah. Kubert instilled that in a generation of you, which is yeah. good. Multiple generations of. Well, you. I want to bounce something back to Carl because Yeah. Please. You know. Um, I can hear it in your voice when you say you don't have an ego. Yeah. And you're not lying. No. I'm my least biggest fan. <laughs> I, I, I think that's crucial to artistic growth is to, to bury that ego because that bitch will eat you alive. And uh, I see it in your work, in your willingness to switch it up in a second Teeter topple oh, does sure. does not look like Evermore Falls, which does not look like Cult of Icarus. So there's a very strong danger there in because they're three very different works. You run the risk of being of not grabbing a, a an identity with with the audience, right? Because you're very versatile, as we can see. I mean, the proof is right there on the pages, and that versatility sometimes works against you, because people want to encapsulate you in one word or, or as as little words as possible. Like Frank Miller, oh, that's that guy that draws those friggin' bulky ass, scratchy, you know, Batman, right? But that's not all Frank does, right? Yeah. Did you I, uh, I did you have any hesitation in 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 as you say chasing your inspiration across these works? Um, I, I have to be honest with you. I think that speaks to kind of my mission statement overall. Not like I have a mission statement per se, but um, how I view my output. I don't view it as I'm a comic book artist making comic books. I view it as I'm a storyteller, and the vehicle for this particular project is comic books. Nice. So that comic book will be how I set out to be. I have plenty of stories that are in different forms. I also am a screenwriter, so there are plenty of things that I have written as movies that are not comic books at all. And it's very specifically because they can be contained on film, whereas my comics are very often things that the only limitation is my imagination and the page. And so many people don't think that way, and that's why we get boring-ass comics. I have to agree, yes. And I don't mean to sound like I'm giving a TED Talk on how we can amplify creativity, <laughs> but I do genuinely feel like for a generation that is so like open to 
mass communicating and like expanding the boundaries of existence, I'm surprised at how stifled creative output is and how one dimensional it feels. It's very, it's troubling to me in a way that I don't understand. Like art is, it's boundless. It never ends. Yeah. Yeah. You're not done with art. (laughs) <laughs> so the fact that there is this idea of what comics can be or should be in terms of like my editorial responses on Evermore Falls, like, but who are you person who's been an editor for two years that's read four comics? Like, I, I okay. don't understand how I can have that conversation because I have an anthropological understanding of where I come from and the training to understand that not every comic is going to be on the same level. Sure. But not everyone has the same tools and understanding of how to do it, if that makes sense. I'm sure I'm just a blithering idiot at this point. No, no, no. I get it. Nope. Confidence is sexy, my friend. Um, oh, try, not at all to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think... My, it, my silly little dance don't work no more. <laughs> In the case of why is your villain an anthropomorphic toaster that shoots radioactive Pop-Tarts? The, the, the question is not why. The question is why not? Right? Also, what do the what do the pop tarts actually mean? Well, yeah, I mean you can get you can layer it if you want to, but the, the with limitless possibilities, why not? I mean, let's explore them, let's push the boundaries, and I see that in 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 this work, especially Evermore. Like it's just so robust in different types of characters, different visual representations. The world is so vivid and. There's a dot pattern in it. Like, dude, I want to hug you. I, when I see a dot, <laughs> the, the, if There's you want so many dots. Yeah. I mean, if you want to get me uh, in bed, so to speak, you throw that dot pattern down and I am yours. When I, I, when I see those things, it's just like this is, this is attuned to my sensibilities. I think dot pattern in nine out of 10 cases makes everything just sparkle. It makes it look better. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I appreciate you saying that because I've actually fought tooth and nail a couple times over people that were like, "Take the dots out. It looks like a comic book." Like, Making a comic <laughs> book. No, that's funny. No, but Did those you are do some people that call it graphic novels, and they mm. don't know. Yes, yes, because that's grown Did, up to call them that. All grown yeah. up. Yeah. Did you do ever more traditionally? traditionally? Uh, for the most part, <laughs> everything was on the board. Some of the zipatone in that is digital, but it's. <laughs> I cheated because it's scanned Zipatone. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who wants to pay like what ten bucks a sheet? Whatever. Oh my god, that stuff's so expensive. Yeah. yeah. I make comics. I'm not that liquid. Right. But I think that <laughs> one of here's another yeah, question. Our drug habit to maintain here. I don't think this is this is all a joke. I know my parents will listen to this. They'll be like, Carl, what drugs are you doing now? <laughs> all of them. Uh, on, on the same uh, track, how about the textures? In Cult of Icarus, are they real or are they digital? Most of them are photographs of textures that I've taken. Oh, nice. Um, that have either been rasterized or just heightened a little bit. It, listen, it gives it a nice little pop. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, no, no, I, I'm, I bought into that. They, it looks great. But are you, I don't know. Are, are you like me when I, I don't throw anything away? If, if I nope. have a little you know, uh, scrap paper on the side that I'm mixing colors on or something. I keep all that shit because you never know when you're going to need it, right? Vince, let me tell you something. 
if you were to see my studio, you would lose your mind. I don't use palettes. I mix my paints on my desk. Nice. Uh, the walls, I look, I look like that uh, Charlie Day gift that everyone uses with just the notes plastered all over the wall. <laughs> oh, right? yeah. Yeah. The red but it's red, all like yes. scraps of paper and sketches <laughs> and non sequiturs that make sense only to me and only if I've had a cup of coffee or some whiskey in some cases. And it's like, I've got notes for stories that have been told, haven't been told, will be told, awesome. grocery lists, whatever. Like, I live this. And it's, it's only become healthier recently. <laughs> because I'm sure to a degree, especially during Teeter Topple, it was very much, um, it was taking a toll on me. Because you can only be the pretentious artist who's living their craft for so long. <laughs> and I, I, I just got to a really healthy place with kind of embracing the chaos that I really kind of succeed with and it's an organized chaos now so like I start my day and I'm I'm ready to make comics essentially but uh yeah I don't get rid of anything man I'm a pack rat awesome <laughs> yeah is uh is is the studio home or do you actually get to leave the house to 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 go to work oh no sir uh we live in a clubhouse essentially uh-huh. that's what I figured and- Two two years in lockdown has made this even more uh, of a clubhouse because I have a separate room for the drawings and the makings and stuff. Excellent. But uh, the the living space, the living room is uh, hundreds and hundreds of stacks of books because we're avid readers. We right. have a big board where we keep track of our projects, uh, both she and my better self, her, the pejorative. Um <laughs> We also have a board for tracking our fitness goals because we're very neurotic. Perfect. Yeah, hey, man, squad goals next, are important. It's, you know, we just got to look good for that next con. Oh, you guys Sex always looks- look good, but I'm, I'm looking forward to yeah, sure, extra, yeah, extra yeah. special. See, that's dude, what I'm talking about. Dude's like the best dressed person at a con, I tell you that. I try. Um, no doubt. I haven't had much time in my life for lists up until the past 10 years. You didn't know what you were missing. No, I would always poop. Do I need a list for man? It's all up here. Point, point, point. And they bullshit. (laughs) But when you have a list, there is so much joy in crossing off that thing and moving on to the next. Yeah, and and sometimes you just encapsulated my like very the very essence of my existence. Right, but (laughs) it's not so much the reward is not completing the job for me. It's well, maybe it is, but it's that. Feeling the mar- the sharpie go over that term that 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 word that you, that thing that you've just completed, and now you get to move on to the next one in hopes of hearing that that sharpie go over it again. So is that? I think maybe that's a product of age, right? Or I shouldn't say no. age, but experience, knowing when you need a little bit of self guidance to get through a project. Right? I've kind of always been this way. Yes, yeah, wow, been respect, yeah. respect, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I pretty yeah, much wake just, up every day and create a list. I mean, uh, I, I literally just type out a list of bullets of things that I need to make sure I get done. And oh, yeah, I mean, that's just, yeah. I love you so much because of that. That just made my day. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's Here's the question, life. though: Is the list in Excel? Um, no. Some no. Sometimes, like that'll. But those are for generally longer term things. Like as you know, I have an Excel spreadsheet for <laughs> art that I want to collect for yep. project. Oh, like if I. I have a, a home improvement list where I, I have it sorted by room and ranked the importance as well as estimated cost and time. I have I have lots of like 
those are for like little broader projects mm-hmm. or, or life goals. The, the the daily thing is literally just some bullets on a usually like a little notepad or word document uh, on my computer, and I just just uh, kind of like tab over to it a couple times a day and make sure I'm getting things done. And sometimes I don't get everything done, and that <laughs> feels like a little mini failure. But but uh, but you know. <laughs> We all have our neuroses. Uh, yeah, obviously. But uh, my heart just grew ten sizes. <laughs> no, I think so that the real telling thing was not only did he take my question seriously, but the length of his reply was ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> well, he also saved me the trouble of doubling down on that one too. Yeah, oh, exactly. Boy. So exactly. let's let's veer off into Cult of Icarus. Please. Because we, we were uh, fortunate enough to get a little preview of it here. And yeah, yeah. at first glance, it looks like everything I love about, uh, let's call it horror, right? Yeah. You sure. have, you have. well, why don't you tell them what it is? You can yeah, tell them better than, yeah, because how did, I... And how did it come to be, and because and this is published by Scout, you said? Vault. Yeah. No, no, this is Scout. Vault. Oh, Scout. Oh, Scout. Sorry, okay. <laughs> Scout, yeah, yeah, right. I don't ever want to book at Vault because that means I failed. Oh, oh no, dude! <laughs> wow, got to got to change the list of specials for this month, I guess. No, I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> Although that red box book sounds great. <laughs> you dick. All right, so Cult of Icarus, guide us. We, uh, so my, my beautiful bride-to-be, we were going to get married until the pandemic happened. We're still getting married. We just haven't had uh, the opportunity. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, when you, and you called your wife, I'm like, wait, did I, did I miss yeah, the invitation I, I to the wedding? I like, was, yeah, I didn't see an invite. Here's, oh here's a fun fact about when you meet your soulmate. Blech, uh, you become that person's person immediately. And with uh, the gentleman Wright and myself, it happened the day I sauntered into the bar that is now across the street from where we live currently Aww. and said, could you look any more antisocial? <laughs> it's a killer uh, line. How many years have we talked to you guys been together now? Oh, crikey. It's been about f- well over five now. All right. Oh, I, saw, so you guys had just gotten together after when we met. Yeah, I, yeah. Got, that, I got that feeling. I thought. Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, okay. No, this, yeah. this relationship got baptized in fire. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it started out as like hey we have a lot in common and like you make stuff and actually make stuff because she had a movie that was being filmed the year I met her uh, her film Ambition which came out like right after we met uh, directed by Bob Shea founder of New Line Cinema how about that wow um, yeah she's hot shit I don't know why she likes me <laughs> say the same thing about mine I think we all should say that. Yeah, uh, yeah, we all married. Yeah, we're all married above ourselves. Yeah. Eh. Tell everyone. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Jackass. Um, always one. From the jump, she was just like, "I've always been interested in comics, and I just I don't know where to go." So I was like, "The avid fan, here's the reading list. I'll check in in a week." <laughs> and it kind of grew wow. from there. We used to just do like little powwow sessions at this bar, like every Wednesday. So I'd be still hyped on comics. And uh, and then I'd be hyped on her, and it hmm. happened fast. So, yeah, true love exists, motherfuckers. Nice. Um, Damn straight. We had always wanted to work on something, and she veers very hard into the horror genre space, and I am very much rubber monsters or, like, 80s hair babes at speed ramp with blood splatter. That's hmm. my version of horror that I like. 
And she's like, here's a movie that will actually give you nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what she writes. So I was like, you know, there, there's a space for both of those things. We should really think about making something together. And it was just kind of an abstract thought at first. And for the longest time, we were like, we don't know what it is. We don't know what it is. And we had this idea for the book. The title came first because I always have the title on my head. And I said, you know, I have this idea for this thing about maybe gods or like these creatures or something. It's called Cult of Icarus. And she was like, oh, it's a good fucking title. And I was like, I know I thought of it. <laughs> and for the longest time, we didn't know what we were doing with it. And it had so many cool gothic elements and badass rock and rollery. And it just felt like what I'm not seeing out of that genre. And I think we were coming back from C2E2 and we were talking about it because we did like a little proof of concept comic that we sold just that kind of had the look about it and all that just to see if anyone gave a shit. Um, and I remember very distinctly turning to her at one point and be like, I know we have like this mythology about like warring houses of gods and all that. And I was like, do you want to just make them fucking vampires? And she looked at me in the way that Jenna does often with a quizzical cocked eye and she goes... Yeah, absolutely. From the jump. Let's let's do that. So basically we ended up coming up with this whole idea about the Cult of Icarus is the original House of Blood. The vampires that were the vampires to the vampires. And all they're looking for is living in daylight. And they can do that if they sacrifice the child of both worlds. A hybrid. Half human, half vampire. And that's our story for Cult of Icarus. And from there, it just got all of the juice, all the horror that she writes so well, and all of the aesthetics that I like to play with, with the uh, giallo lighting and punk rock aesthetics and just badass babes. And uh, it's a wild ride, man. I'm stoked for this one, especially since it has a home and it'll be in stores. Because as far as like small victories to check off on the list... There we go. In stores. Yay. The fact that you just dropped giallo lighting gives me great confidence in this. <laughs> I mean, if it wasn't for your work before, but uh, when you're talking uh, Argento gel lighting and you just, boom, you just drop it into the conversation effortlessly. Yeah, you got me. You got me on this one. Oh, my, my touchstones are varied and bizarre and they make no sense. But they do make sense when you see my stuff. You're like, you're really just talking about Super Grover and then Argento? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's possible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why the hell not? Yeah, but this look, book looks great. It's just... It, Thank you. Um, now, open-ended or miniseries? Uh, it is a four-issue miniseries oh. that... Um, man, I'm, it's not like anything I've ever done before, and yet... It's everything I've wanted to do. Uh, it's dark in a way that comics aren't anymore and sexy in a way that comics aren't anymore while still being very uh, of the time. Mm. And uh, I, I got to be honest, I really like playing with just the gothic imagery of vampires. And I'm, I'm not a Twilight guy or anything like that, but I genuinely do feel like this has more of a kinship with like uh, David Bowie and The Hunger, or Only Lovers Left Alive. Damn you. Yeah. Um, Mitch, Mitch is Bowie. 
Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, how can you not? Right. Um, and more recently, there's a flick that I am obsessed with right now um, from a director named Joe Bagos called Bliss, um, which I cannot recommend enough. Also a major inspiration to my general aesthetic with it. But uh, it was very much a product of two people wanting to make something together because we have so much fun outside of making stuff that why wouldn't we make a comic? Because the boss lady's already got... Uh, budding comic career she's writing stuff with a uh, friend of the show sean pryor and she's got a couple books coming out through zenoscope that's later. right interesting um if i could add another comparison to the stack i don't want to pigeonhole this book but please I, i'm also getting a very strong world of darkness um oh yeah vibe yeah like white wolf and oh, the vampire yeah that's a, a, another good thing yeah oh yeah Oh yeah, and it's it's been fun to draw, and it just goes bonkers. It has that pokey little puppy setup of the the girl comes to town, but holy crap, does it go sideways at one point, which may or may not be shared on the page for EOC. <laughs> <laughs> and if anybody wants to see examples of this book, go to the website eleven o'clock comics dot com, click on the episode thread, and you will see an exploding head. Yeah. Very beautifully rendered exploding head. Yes, yes. The first of many. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. So, uh, yeah. uh, when you um, are working on a page, I, I need to know yeah. the process, process here. Um, do you fidget or do you have, I mean, I already know the answer to this from everything you've said to this point. Um, do you have a rock solid direction in which you're going or do you allow fate to seep in or or um uh, random chance maybe something will impact you while you're working on this page it doesn't matter what it is you could be looking out the window and and you know the flight of fancy something clicks and you're like oh well this plan i had for this panel i'm gonna switch this up based on what i'm feeling at this very moment and go in this direction or like I said, is it is it very rigidly delineated? Like, I'm going to follow the script. I'm going to get this done the way I had it done. How do you progress through a page? I think I am an enigma because I think it all depends on the project. If it is something more straightforward, like a monthly book, like I'm doing with Icarus, uh, I, I have it outlined. I have my thumbnails. I lay out the page. And uh, I've learned that I work best once I'm a little bit inspired. So if I don't want to sit down at the desk right away, I mean, I've got all of my comics in the same room, like my rows and rows of long boxes and my shelves of trades. I will flip through the touchstones that I think might affect that page. And I'll be like, how did, how did Mignola do it in this? Like, how did he do Cosmic Odyssey on the third book? Or, you know, maybe I'll look at some Joseph Michael Lindsner and be like, ah, yes, so that's how a hot chick is drawn. Uh. And it's just... It's one of those things where you just like, you got to fill the tank. And I think that a lot of times some of the stuff that I do is based on whatever I'm ingesting. And I think for the most part, it, it comes out as fresh every time because I'm keeping my influences fresh. I'm not going to keep looking at the same things. And it also probably helps that I have influences outside of comics. It's not just comics. So I'll, I'll watch a music video and want to make an entire comic about some random thing I saw in a music video or, you know, a movie or what have mm -hmm. you. But, I mean, in the studio, it is still very rigid. Like, once I have my idea, it goes on the page. 
I follow it to the end until the ink is dry, basically. You know, headphones on the whole time, blasting my eardrums out with whatever garbage music I'm listening to. Cats get involved? Uh, occasionally, I have a no-cat policy since it's summer. Okay, all right. <laughs> but uh, my faithful uh, companion, Cat Murdoch, yes, that is her name, uh, <laughs> joins me daily. <laughs> if it's wintertime, she's on my lap, which gets awkward for inking. <laughs> So if you go to your site, uh, which is uh, cleverly named Slow Motion Art, I very much like that title, um, <laughs> you've got uh, lots of, of, of IP on there, uh, including Teeter Topper, uh, Evermore Falls, and uh, Cold of Icarus, but you've also got a bunch of other things. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and a few, when you click on them, it says coming soon. So... You know, I know that that the both of uh, of the things we've been discussing at length tonight were in the can, so to speak, for the most part. So, um, are you are you hot at, at at work on the drafting table, working on one of these projects, or are these things that like you'll eventually get to? I'm just curious. Uh, you know what uh, what's keeping your your uh, your brushes busy these days? Uh, at the moment, I'm still wrapping up Icarus, so that's been the priority. But I have been because uh, I can't focus ever on one thing. <laughs> I'm sure that's healthier for the process, but uh, I've been working on three other things. Uh, one of them being Fixer, which I've been trying to get people to care about for the last two years. And another one is Still as Ink, which I just started the art on. And it's that's an angry comic that I'm sure will have four fans. And... Uh, <laughs> The other thing is The Last Watchtower, which started as an experiment when we first went into lockdown because I wanted to keep my skill up. And I was like, can I draw a comic page a day without any plan? So every morning I'd wake up at 6 o'clock, draw a comic page, and then get to actual work. Wow. So That's an yeah. ethic right there. Yeah. I don't I don't know if it's an ethic or if it's just blind insanity at this point, but I mean the voices only talk to me once in a while, so I can't be that bad. <laughs> yeah, write it down. Could be a couple I more mean, comics I'm, I'm, in there. I'm a big fan of um I mean I know there's some artists call them warm up sketches or just I mean I, I think it's I feel that they're necessary. I know we're 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 friends with one artist who who finds that uh that's silly to do, and any drawing you're going to do should be for whatever you're working on at the moment. But I think I, I think you need to get your wrist right. I think you need to get in that zone and and um, a daily piece of work before you sit down and 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 really uh, start your nine to five, so to speak. I think I I, I think it's necessary for me anyway. I or my opinion, agree. I think it is. I definitely agree. Um, but I mean different strokes for different folks if it doesn't work for you it doesn't work for you find what works Uh, i like a rigid schedule (laughs) i like my charts and my graphs which is completely contradictory to my fun and fancy free me (laughs) i don't i I just you can't box me in yeah man you just you're you're left and right brained yeah that's how the best of us are i'm super unique we should all like carl 100 (laughs) percent Hundred percent. Well, we um, already do. Mission accomplished. Yeah. Where, um, 
where, if 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 at all, uh, will folks be able to acquire Evermore uh, if they were dumb and didn't do the Kickstarter? Well, luckily, uh, they still well, have time. Yeah. I mean, oh, true. Okay. See, I, well, I backed it on day one, so I, I forgot when it ended. But okay. Yeah. So, so if you're listening to this tomorrow, uh, yeah. back the Kickstarter. But, uh, but, but again, yeah. I'll still pose the question because, because I'm sure some people won't listen to this day of um, when it ends after it ends if they hear this or they or they stumble upon it some other way. How, how, if at all, will they be able to get the book? Uh, pretty much conventions first and foremost. Once we get back into those, I, mm-hmm. I know for a fact that I'm going to be at Heroes. 2022, 40th yeah, anniversary, will. baby. Awesome. As well. So, so say we all. So say we all. Thank you for bringing a BSG back into it. Of course. Um, but yeah, other than that, I am working on getting a, like a web store together, which I know will be a massive undertaking on my behalf. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if if you want it, I gotta get you that stuff. So, Hell but yeah, uh, yeah, first and foremost is gonna be the Kickstarter. It genuinely, I was using that platform as more of a distribution method than anything else, just because, I mean, I, I don't have any way to get this stuff out unless someone takes a chance, like Scout did with Icarus. Uh, and like I said, I really do hope it's just like you predict with opening some doors. Oh, because I got a lot of ideas, and they're not bad. Mm-hmm. How, how are you feeling uh, about the con scene? And I ask because was that? I feel like... Uh, three months ago when we asked people what they thought about conventions, everyone was still kind of like, yeah, I don't see going back until 2022 and beyond. But but now that people are vaxxed up and wanting to get reconnected, it seems like uh, all these conventions are announcing amazing guest lists like out the gate. So I'm just curious where you and Jenna are in uh, your intentions to get back out and do cons. Um, well, seeing as Icarus comes out in the fall, she's ready and raring to go to NYCC. Uh, seeing as that was basically just a mash unit, I'm not that thoroughly into the idea. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I I genuinely don't know. I'm playing it by ear. For the next couple months, I want to see how it goes. We really got a mirror turned on ourselves over the last couple of years, and I uh, I think we're a little ugly inside. Oh, I was just going to say that, my brother. Other. <laughs> yep. It's uh, and you know. Uh, I try to love everyone, but they've definitely made it harder for me to love everyone. <laughs> oh, sure. sure. But you know what? Benefit of the doubt. I want cons back hard. Especially That's the if thing, they man. like, yeah. I want the table. If they're like, yes, Carl Slominski does get a table this year. Because let me tell you, NYCC is a real son of a bitch to crack. Yeah, I... I... Right, I, I think that's kind of the, uh, the, the outside of San Diego, which has a very small artist alley. Trying to get an NYCC table is uh, hella difficult, even in nor- normal circumstances. I I presume uh, I presume they'll have to do some kind of like broader spacing, uh, at least for this year, in terms of tabling, which means less spots. I, I just assume. Um, I don't know that for a fact, but I, I've already been told. Uh, I should say we've been told by. Uh, a friend who's a higher up at Reed that that uh, press passes and comp passes and creator passes are going to be uh, dramatically reduced um, for the foreseeable future because uh, they got to pay bills and they're going to be limited in their capacity. So uh, you know we'll have to see. But uh, I'm genuinely curious to see if the general audience factor is still going to be there, just because it has been such a year of like, well, if you're into it, maybe. But, like, the looky-loo factor, is it going to still be there? Are we still going to get people that are just like, you know, I like those Marvel movies, but Artist Alley can suck it? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I, I, 
I think only time will tell. But I will say that that uh, if we if we kind of take a step back and take a little more holistic view of of behaviors, uh, you know, a- airlines are filling up and raising capacity, and 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 Disney World keeps selling out every day as it raises its capacity, and uh, movie theaters are starting to get uh, normal houses back. So I just I, I feel like. Like, you know, concerts are, are selling out uh, as soon as tickets go on sale. So I, I do feel like there's a, a big enough chunk of the world that uh, craves normalcy, uh, or at least whatever they perceive to be normalcy in that regard. So I do think, um, I, I, yeah, I think other than like the most giant shows, the NYCC, San Diego, uh, you, you know, your seventy thousand plus attendee shows, I, I think they'll they'll probably be okay because I I think a lot of those shows were always sold out anyway, where more people yeah. wanted to go than could. So we don't need 100% of people wanting to go back. We need just yeah. a, a small, some percentage of the people that wanted to go. You, you have the the cosplayers who've had a year and a half to improve their <laughs> their their wear. So I mean, they they want to show off. I know that I you know I, I get it. Reads like you know we're only doing the single day passes. I I you know listen. You've got like you said, Jason. They've got bills to pay. I get it. I'm I'm you know we're. The three of us will get together that weekend, even if we go into the city to hang out with our friends after the con. That's and and that's fine. It it's, um, I know right now we're our plan is to go. Our first con will be Emerald City. Once we know more about tickets for that, um, yeah, that is our tickets. plan. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, otherwise we're just going to Seattle for vacation. But yes, the idea is for us to go to Emerald City. Um, and, and hopefully that's going to happen, but yeah, we will be at heroes next year. Uh, we're, I'm, I'm, I would imagine we'd be at New York next year, but, uh, you know, I, I know it's, yeah, people are, yeah, Jason, you, you, you and the family just, just flew down to Florida. My, my boss was on a packed airplane down to Florida, uh, oh, a few weeks ago to see his parents. Boy. So, I mean, yeah, so there's, and, and it's, you know, so we're, we are, you know, we're, we're out and we're vaxxed and everything's great, but it's you know it, it, it's up to those. But I still, I still may be hesitant. Like I even if, even if we could get the passes for New York, and I mean we're talking about October, so so my mind could change between now and then. But I still, I, I don't know if I would be super comfortable going to a con because I don't know if. Everybody else has taken the same precautions that I have over the past year, so I just i I'd probably just rather play it safe. But that's that's totally a me thing. But no, I, I i think I think people are ready. It, it's I think I think people not just are ready, but I think they just they, they're they're reaching for that that return to normalcy. Yeah. Right on. Well said. Well said. I well, can't disagree you- with any of that. One of the things I, I, I do appreciate about you uh, is that you do rep hard for uh, indie comics and, and support others out there doing their thing. So I always, when we when we touch base, I always like to know what else is out there, who else and what else is out there that you're vibing on. Because, uh, you know, to whatever extent we have a platform, it's always great to shout out other cool uh, creators out there on the hustle that uh, maybe we or, or our listeners aren't aware of. So you got anybody you want to shout out? You know, it's funny. The last time you and I talked about this, I name-dropped yeah. a bunch of people. Now they all have books at, like, major companies. So, <laughs> yeah. so like, I, I, I don't know. I don't really uh, – I haven't – I mean, 
the last person I was like, oh, look at this guy's stuff was uh, Jesse Lonegrand, and he just got nominated for a goddamn Eisner. <laughs> he sure yes, did. He did. He sure did. For Hedra, yeah. Which is yeah. an incredible book. And, uh, man, I've never seen a guy play with narrative and sequentials that hard. And it's just inspiring. Like, goddamn, dude, look at all those panels. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, no wonder. He's 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 a he's a talent for sure. You were spot on with him, and I just had the good fortune of getting a commission from him as well. Yeah, uh, boy, of course you did. You know me. Still. You know I got to rep at the commissions, man. I got that's how I, I got to do. You're you're that dude that's like cruising through Brooklyn in your car, and you like stop at every corner to make sure you get the mixtapes. <laughs> oh, gotta get like, the mixtapes. Gotta get the mixtapes. You just like where's the guy with the CD player from 1994? <laughs> Repping, he's gonna be the next Jay Z. Oh, you got to, you got to, you got to say you were there before. You got to, you were there when repping, Man, right? I'm telling you. I mean, you listen. I, I think people know from listening to the show, but if if people aren't aware, uh, Carl does exemplary commissions. Like, fin- well, I mean, looking at looking at his commissions section on the site, I think you probably have the most that are on this page. I mean, at least I'm glad my Mister Monsters there. I'm looking at the Superman Bizarro piece he did for me in 2017 because that that's above my 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 desk. But um, no, by all means, absolutely go to slow motion art slash commissions and or, or click this missions commissions link. And the pieces are beautiful; they're always great. Thanks, man. They've gotten better too because I just I bet I throw so much more on the page. I also haven't had commissions open in like three years now because there haven't busy. been shows. Well, well yeah. you know, I got I got books and stuff, sure. Uh, this is this is a funny a funny time period for me because I've got the most stuff coming out, but I also have made the least amount of money. <laughs> so are you? You got to reverse that. Are you going to part with the uh, pages from Evermore? Or yeah, uh, I actually do have a tier on the Kickstarter yes. for the original page. So Excellent. Yeah. I will be, and I will eventually probably unleash a few after that. Uh, I do love the pages from Evermore Falls, so they will be hard to part with. <laughs> you know, I know everybody wants to see things translated into other mediums uh, or media, but I, so I'll go there. I can see Evermore, obviously, as a cartoon, but in a Klasky Supo kind of way. Cause, oh, bless your heart. Yeah, I think they did phenomenal animated sh- uh, shorts. And um, this fits in with that whole jaunty exaggerated kinetic aesthetic that that uh Klasky supo had and i just uh, i it would be awesome to see this on my television screen I, not necessary not a, but awesome oh no totally necessary i want a better <laughs> house in life <laughs> listen I'm not, I'm not making any bones about it man i'm just being honest like i live in an apartment that is shared with four other people three of which smoke and anytime the windows are open i am going to get cancer <laughs> and as a quit smoker myself, I don't like that. Yeah. I also really don't like screaming matches, and our neighbors tend to have those. Oh, lovely. Yeah, we lucked out today. Um, no, I, I, you brought about something really interesting, though, about the adaptation from comics to film. I love the idea of a comic being so good a movie had to be made, because more often than not, it's a comic got made because a movie was going to get made. And right. as long as there's like a year or two in between, it's okay. Nobody will know. And <laughs> I recently got like a whole bunch of shit from true believers that don't understand how the industry is currently working. When I was breaking down, like, 
you know 75% of books on shelves are actively, like, they're retroactive IP for film. Right. Like, straight up, it, I, I work in film, too. I know this firsthand. I will never forget uh, a screenplay that Jenna and I wrote. We took to our manager, and he was like, you know, there's a lot of Frank Millerisms in this. Uh, Carl, have you ever considered taking this to one of your graphic novel companies mm-hmm. and doing a comic book so that we can sell the script based on that? And I was like, no. No, because I like to keep those lives separate. And more often than not, these companies are doing that. I genuinely, genuinely despise the idea of putting the cart in front of the horse because, god damn it, that horse is really carrying a lot of the weight. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And- but, like, there's a lot of things when you submit. They'll be like, listen, you know, full disclosure, we're looking for things that can be turned into multiple formats whether it be tv streaming movies that's the majority of the second tier companies you know output if you take a look at any of those companies in diamond that you're like oh they have you know a good six books a month they're very contained they're very character driven usually not very fleshed out because you'll get the actor to do that and they're usually drawn in a way that you're like hmm Almost. <laughs> and it just, it screams like comics by committee. And you know that this was a screenplay at one point. Oh, sure. Yeah. And uh, it's a drag. But it was really funny when the Berserker campaign was going on. <laughs> Two weeks later, it was announced that it was going to be a movie. Like, you mother... How did you not know? How did you oh, not know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, the th- yeah. That's the thing that kind of bums me out with current comics people, too, that are like doing well or getting book published or their superstars on Twitter is they don't want to admit or at least have the conversation like, cool, you got a book out, but like, what's the next thing you're going to do? And is it something that can be mined for IP? Because that's the current landscape of comics and indie comics exist specifically to be the antithesis of that. And some of them are that and others are SPX bait. Yeah, I mean, Evermore would be an incredibly expensive thing to try and translate to um, to television or, or you know streaming or movies, right? Because because it's and that's what I love about uh, a book like this and, and fantasy books is that one of the great things about comics is that you don't have a budget, right? You can you you you're only limited by your imagination and your your artistic skill to absolutely. You, you can have a billion dollar movie budget. You can do things that just would be, uh, and, and admittedly the gap is closed in that regard in the sense that, that technology is caught up. So you can do a lot of pretty cool shit visually now for, uh, at least in, in Hollywood terms for affordable levels that you couldn't have done even 10 years ago. But still it's, it's as I think about Evermore and what it would look like to do it justice. I mean, it, this would not be a small endeavor. It would be a, a, a pretty major a major undertaking and, 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 and deal. Not that you'd be mad at that because it would allow you to buy a house without three smoking roommates, but still. <laughs> it I've always maintained it would be great if that kind of success came along. Sure. Because I'm not going to be one of those people that flames out after that and it's like, oh, there was his one idea that got a semi-decent adaptation. Like, I just want that success so I can t- continue to make comics in my little space without the stress of, hey, is there a roof over my head next month? Yeah. Like, I live for my craft, probably to my detriment, probably, but I genuinely feel like the people that have been super successful in the comics-to-film landscape, that's comics before film, are the people that had 
other ideas after that. Whether they're big or small or what have you. Uh, Scott Pilgrim is a great example because there was a movie, but Brian Lee O'Malley's better stuff came directly after that. And he had the freedom to do that because he had that lovely, lovely movie check that he could keep himself floating and making really cool books. Yep. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, certainly the, the talk, uh, justifiably of the last few weeks has been, uh, you know, our friend of the show, Jeff Lemire's, uh, sweet tooth coming to Netflix. But, you know, you think about that. I mean, he made sweet tooth a long time ago. Uh, yeah. you know, he's put out a, 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 just a ton of other stellar work subsequent to that. And, uh, and I, I, I love that people like him and, and Matt Kent, uh, and those guys, you know, they make comics and, and yeah, I mean, obviously we're getting to a point in Hollywood now where, where these things can and often do become, um, things in other medium and, and there's, I'm sure big paychecks come along with it, but, but they still make comics to make comics, you know, generally speaking. And I guess Kent kind of, you know, took the, he finally just said, screw it. I'm going to go ahead and, and jump in here. Cause Keanu wants to do a book and Hey, you know, to each his own, like that's, that's, I'm not going to fault a guy for taking a paycheck, but, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, so I, 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 I do appreciate when people make comics and then if something comes of it, so, so be it. I do appreciate too, that there's an audience specifically interested in comics for comics sake, because you can kind of, you know, not to sound like the indie record store nerd, but you can weed out the posers. Right. Yeah, and, for uh, sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, comics are a lifestyle brand now. Like, your aunt knows who Marvel characters are. <laughs> yeah. It's not it's not like back in the day when you were shoved in a locker for, you know, reading what have you, Kill Raven. Yeah. Well, in us old school heads with the continuity, it gets wonky now because a lot more people know continuity that doesn't fit into how we know continuity. We're like, yeah. no, that wasn't in Who's Who, bro. That's not how it went down. <laughs> Yeah. But, but but you know, but but to a hundred million people, that's exactly how it went down. Oh, for uh, sure. So, and they're not necessarily wrong either, right? It's just it's, it's however one absorbs it. So, yeah. their version of Spider-Man continuity is no less relevant than than our exactly. own. Exactly. Uh, right. Yeah. For me, it's the comics equivalent of Saltpeter. When I pick up a book <laughs> that's obviously geared to the eventual film like uh the gl- most glaring examples berserker right or oh, or say marvel's um new universe the one that uh the 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 sequel much much later everybody looked like an actor a very specific actor but i don't i but i i also and not to derail that it it's i think that that's a laroca thing more i don't think warren ellis was like yeah i want i want justice to look like bruce willis and i want I, I, right. I want this guy to look like sawyer from lost i think i think that was the roca just going listen i need I, I need to find reference because i gotta i gotta bang these these issues out well it's still bullshit it right? is I, no I, yeah. don't, I don't disagree with you i don't disagree with you at all but i don't think i don't think ellis or or marvel had the idea that we're going to do new universe we're going to do new universal all one word and and we want to we want to sprinkle it with with celebrities so this way it makes it looks like we're, we're we're trying to make this into something it isn't right but um i mean radical was the worst for that i mean yes they, yes yeah that that hercules book literally was exactly like the was the was the was the storyboards for the rock movie right but what what i'm the point well, i'm trying whole, that's legendary's whole thing but yeah go ahead i'm sorry no the point i'm trying to make is it's it's disheartening when you flip through a book and you realize you've uh, by the end of whatever it is maybe 
four issues, whatever, you've funded the storyboards for the, the movie. Like, that, that's basically what you've done. You've paid $20 to experience this thing that has every bit of intent of being a movie, right? And I don't want to fund that. I don't want to be a consumer on that. And I want stuff that's, that's alive and vital and, and, and diverse. I don't want Keanu Reeves running around killing people. I, who, who the hell wants to read that? Right, everybody it, that saw John Wick. Yeah, exactly. But I don't want to like, be one of them. Derivative, like I love John. Like I'm not. Like I, I, I dig the John Wick films. I think they're fun as fuck. But like, but give me twelve I, more. Like, yeah, like, like I don't like. Why do I like? I don't. It's so bizarre to me. It's this weird sort of dragon eating its tail. It's like Keanu's doing a John Wick, Wick pastiche in a comic so that he can make another movie that's John Wick only. Only instead of it just being a dude, it's a dude who happens to be immortal. Exactly. And I'm like, I'm like, but it's still like going to look and feel like John Wick. So just do John Wick. Yeah. Like it's like with the which, which, movies, like did, like, but still, like, yeah. just go into space. Like, like just go ahead and go into space. Like it's a superhero movie anyway. Like it's fake anyway. Like they're not bound by the laws of physics. So like I don't want to hear oh they yeah, cars can't go into space. Fuck yes they can. Why can't they? Like it's just a stupid. Have you not seen Heavy Metal? <laughs> yeah, just well, these movies are just meant to numb our brains for a few hours and get our dopamine receptors firing like there are no rules like the only rule is that i I leave smiling and saying fuck yeah i wish i could take a bugatti and go into space like that's (laughs) like that's the only you know and if i was jeff bezos or uh or or elon musk i probably i could apparently but uh yeah you know well i was just playing on carl's comment that you know comics should not be ip farms I do sure, think I to that to that idea though. I think that a lot of that speaks to the fear-based decision making in film, and less the survivor mode of comics. Because I think both of those things play into each other almost directly. Because everybody is looking for a reason to say no, and also to get their initial investment back in film. And comics just wants to make more money because they haven't made money. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I will say though, if and this is going to be a radical idea, pucker up. Twitter, uh, if <laughs> you guys keep using film, comics as IP farms, uh, comic book artists should get paid film wages nice. for pages, because yeah. that is some bullshit that you're coming to us because it's cheap. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's always been obtuse to me, like, we've had uh, Gabriel Hardman on the show a couple times, and, and nice. he's, he's not alone in this, but, but he's the one we know personally, you know, I mean, it's, he, and he, he admits this publicly, so we're not talking out of school, but he would love to just make comics 24 seven, but he also happens to have a vibrant career as a storyboard artist. And, and, and the sad truth is he, he can make many, many times his, his money doing storyboarding than he can making an amazing comic. And it's just, it's, it's, you know, he's, he has to put much less effort, into a storyboard th- than he does a finished page of a, of a book that he's doing, but, but it, it pays just so much more. And, uh, you know, and that's, I guess that's the way of the world, but it is a bummer that, that, uh, that there's not more of a balance there, given to your point that how much now comics are, are one of the most vibrant places for, uh, for IP now to make films and, and, and streaming shows. I am curious to see if that's going to carry over post COVID because, I mean, now the studios are just starved for material. I think, to a better extent, we might be seeing a boom in original material 
And if there isn't such a reliance on comics, maybe comics will go back to making more original comics as opposed yeah. to IP bait. But again, that's the whole Ouroboros thing. And yeah, I mean, the, I do know too much about that. <laughs> the, the the option is like the greatest tool uh, in Hollywood history, right? I mean, it's it's because it, it. I know certainly we have lots of friends, and when you hear, oh, their you know their their book got optioned, you get all excited for them. But the, the, for the most part, the sad truth is it's 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 a decent check. It's better than no check, but it's basically a, such a small amount, and it gives it gives the studios the rights, depending on the type of option, you know, three, five, seven years to to try and do something with your your work and if it if it doesn't happen you certainly get a chance then to go shop it again which is great but but at the same point in time i mean um if you're a studio looking to make looking to do two three hundred million dollar budget films writing thirty to fifty thousand dollar checks to a hundred different creators just to have the the thing in your hopper to consider doing is like a no-brainer like why wouldn't you you know um but like the chances of that turning into something that that's like life-changing wealth for the the creators is still very very small Oh, for sure. 30,000 sounds nice. I've seen options for poultry sums, sir. <laughs> sure. Yeah, no, no, it's true. I was just, yeah. I could change my life with $30,000. <laughs> well, if, if Jason pops up a couple of the cushions on the couch, maybe, you know. You <laughs> just... Speaking of that, it's interesting. I, 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 uh, I do, uh, for whenever one of the big auction houses has a comic art auction i take some of the pieces that i think are cool and post them onto our patreon and one of the pages um on this past comic link auction that i posted was a a pretty sweet burn x-men page that had uh, a lot of cool little panels like one of the panels was the entire alpha flight team and whatnot nice. and the piece went for 39 g's and i was like uh you know and then it just so happens that uh i found out today that uh that uh Liefeld bought it so I'm like, I hey, still living. He's still living. The guy, he's still living large. Like this, those those Deadpool and royalties are still kicking in. My dude's buying thirty nine thousand dollars pages. So you yeah. know, hey, the right the rights got a lot of money. Spot. All you got to do is like scribble thirty nine dead Deadpool headshots. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. just for people listening, I'm not blowing up his spot. It's not like he, like I'm I'm talking out of school. He he posted the page onto a Facebook art group that we both are in and said, oh, it's my newest my newest acquisition. So it's it's yeah. Yeah, uh, that's public knowledge. And you smelled that chum in the water. You knew. <laughs> that's right. It's definitely crazy. Oh, it's bananas. Collectibles are bananas right now. I mean, oh, it is. It's the pandemic. I mean, it's, it's so it'll be interesting to see if it levels off now that we're done with the pandemic. I, I, I don't think it would have to. I mean, if people are going to be driving back to work, if people are going to, you know, go back to their barber, if people are going to go out to eat. Uh, more regularly, I yeah. Like I mean, it, it's for a baseball card. It's a lot of haircuts. It's a lot of eating out. You know, like it only goes so. Like it only explains it so much, right? Like, yeah. Like if you're if you're like, oh, I I, I started buying twenty thousand dollar pages of original comic art because I wasn't going out on the town. It's like, were you renting a Learjet and going to Paris to club? Like, I mean, these aren't. You know, it's like you got. That's a lot of nights out. I mean, that's like you know, that's that's like being a. A social butterfly times ten. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, but it, it's, I, I don't know how. I'm not going to presume how anybody else lives. I mean, we don't. Whether it's our patrons on the Slack, who you know, when they post their hard art halls, and I mean, we 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 see people on on Twitter or Instagram or any or in the Facebook groups talking about what they've 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 just posted or bought. Um, you know, I'm not. I am never going to tell anybody. 
how to spend your money, or maybe you should hold off because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. It, it's you know, you you it's your finances, you handle your business, but um, you know, I don't know if these were just a bunch of rainy days that these people were saving up for, and this was when they decided to strike while the iron was hot. I don't know if maybe they've decided that now I can work from home permanently and and you know I never have to go back to the office whatever their company says or maybe they own the company I don't know they're not leasing the building anymore I I don't know but yeah it's it's weird I, I'm all of this just to say that yeah I do believe the things are going to I don't know if level off is the right word but but things are I feel like things are going to um change that bubble's going to maybe not pop but Yes, things are going to change once once the things are back to closer to normal. I think, it, yeah. but I I'm, I'm absolutely fine with being wrong. If 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 things if if things are able to maintain the way they've been, and and creators are able to you know be supported by their fans because the fans feel like, listen, I mean, I know Jason spoke about this where you know once the pandemic hit. And we weren't going to cons, and you know, and he wasn't going into the city as often. But we understand that there are there are people. I was hella fortunate to be able to stay working, uh, for sure, working from home, and 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 I was happy to do that. And, and therefore, you know, my wife and I, we did order out from from the local restaurants because we want to make sure that these places are still around when things are normal. Yeah. Um, and 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 Jason, you know, went. I don't want to say crazy, but 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 Jason did some commissions last year, and and you know, and that's helping out creators who normally, yeah, <laughs> and that's fine. And but that's because we weren't seeing them at cons, and they weren't going to cons, and they weren't going to get that 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 money for those weekends. So I absolutely I supported that that initiative a hundred percent, and I think that that's great. And and I, if 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 once everybody's vaxxed up and things are close to normal, and people still decide, listen. I'm going to bag my lunch a few times a week because I want to make sure that, you know, this artist can do a commission and, and, and I'm going to give them some, I, I hope that I really do hope that the past year has just kind of changed mindsets and, and people aren't so, um, selfish I'll say. And, and I, I just, I'm, I'm hoping for better. I'm hoping we can maintain what's, what's the best things about the past year moving forward. That's Ever the optimist. I yeah, I guess I am. Listen, I appreciate it as a negative Nelly. I really do genuinely appreciate it. I hope I, I, to that point. I think I'm going to be more optimistic and say I hope the comics community comes out of this a little bit healthier, um, just because of the support for creators and for fandom in general. Because uh, that's pretty much the only thing that I really invest any time in outside of my personal life, which is boring. So I just hope that like when we get back to shows, people are just a little bit more excited to be at shows again. Right, better not be boring. Better be keeping that that spice that spice going. You guys are too young in your. You, I, better be spicy. Oh, bro, we're call me Frank Herbert. We are like doing right here. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Deep and shit up in here. Yeah. <laughs> Motherfucker with the blue eyes. And shit. Dude. Oh, that is amazing. Holy shit, that's nice. great. Well, Carl, you know what? It sounds like you are exactly where you want to be right now. Your uh, your your confidence is inspiring. Your your output is amazing. 
let's just cap this off with in where do you see yourself? This is maybe a silly question, but where do you see yourself and your your creations in? Let's go five years time. Where do you want to be in five years? Uh, You know, I always feel kind of goofy answering that because I am the secret optimist. I always feel like I'm answering like the uh, high school yearbook questions. Where do you see yourself in 30 years? <laughs> so I'm a uh, Muppet like, now. <laughs> oh, everybody, at the end of the day, every hot take can be leveled by imagining a Muppet saying it. And it just makes the internet so bearable. Um, but no, in all seriousness, I think about this probably more than I should. Um, because again, I'm a guy that makes lists and I check things off. And I can give you the logical projection. And I can give you the dream. The logical projection is by five years, I'll have probably six new projects out because I'm a worker and I don't quit. And I also don't have the new barrier of, you know, giving a damn about publishers and stuff like that. I'll get this stuff out as this year has proven. That being said, in my heart of hearts, that is, of course, the heart within my heart. I think a couple of them actually might be successful and may be in stores. One of them might get a movie. Who knows? Crazier yeah. things have happened. Yes, this is very true. Whoever thought uh, Tony Fleece would be successful? Right. Hey, if Tony can do it, you can do it. Right. I'm just, I'm just saying. At the end of the day, as long as I'm still doing this and I've got a support system like you gentlemen here, you're lovely, all of you, and the listeners too, because the majority <laughs> of them dig what I do. I consider myself successful, and you measure your success differently as the years go on. And as far as I'm concerned, the outpouring of love for Evermore Falls and the excitement for Cult of Icarus and whatever I can funnel into the next project based on all that, I'm doing it right, man. Because there's nothing inauthentic about me. I'm just going to keep on making Carl Slominski comics, and you're going to get dope Carl Slominski comics. Because I... I'm not going to backslide. <laughs> There's never going to be like that era of my work where you're like, wow, that's worse. Because I'm, I'm just interested in pushing the medium. And I love comics, man. Like most of us do. I fucking love comics. Mm. There is not a more pure form of immediate art delivery 100%. than yep. boxes yep. on a page. Just like when I was a kid. Boxes telling stories. That's all it yeah. is. And you know what? It's never going to be limited. I'm never going to have two blokes in a room talking because that is some boring-ass shit. Yep. They'll be talking on meteors with flying cars. I wish everybody was as honest as you. God damn it. You're a breath of friggin' fresh air. Well, you know, I'm sure I'm going to have a bunch of people that fucking hate me for that, too. But, I mean, you know what I mean? It happens. Whatever. Listen, right? it's cool. If you don't like fun and adventure and honesty... That's more about you, man. I don't, I don't care. I can't change you then. <laughs> so, everybody, do yourself a damn favor and write this down. Make a list. We all love lists. Evermore Ooh, Falls, yes. Teeter Tuple, Cult of Icarus, and whatever comes next because you will not be disappointed. This guy's got the goods and he just wants to make excellent comics. That's a goal. That's a very, very refreshing goal. He also wants to make a gazillion dollars, but that'll come, right? And I'm also the only person that's honest about that. <laughs> Stop trying to be humble, man. Like, if you have a goal, say it. The universe is listening. Yep. 
That is very, very true. And you know who else is listening? Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com, where you can get your books, get them fast, get them delivered straight to your door for a small fraction of what everybody else is paying. Remember, make another list. From Image, Ant number one, Eric Larson. From Marvel, Defenders number one. And from Vault, Dead Box number one. The, all those books are a dollar damn ninety nine. Where are you going to get books that cheap? DCBService.com. In your travels, um, I'll make this relatively short. Uh, I would like you to be adventurous and check out, I just mentioned it, Ant number 12 by Eric Larson. I don't want to talk. Yeah. I don't want to talk about the story very much because I'll be completely honest with you. I didn't read anything that Mario Gully wrote and or drew. I have no connection with this character at all. Ditto. Other than the fact that Eric Larson now owns it and is doing stuff with it. So mm-hmm. I thought Eric Larson is one of my favorite guys on the planet. I'm going to read this issue. It, it appears to me that Mr. Larson set limits on himself uh, per page. If you are a regular reader of Savage Dragon, this may resemble Savage Dragon to you in spirit, but it is nowhere near as detailed as Dragon. Um, Like I said, he invested a certain amount, a very particular amount of time in this, and then he pulled back, which means it's loose. It's, it's, It's very animated and free and breezy remember when i asked declan to make a book in the style of his hulk roughs well that's kind of what this looks like it looks like eric larson um doing store doing uh thumbnails and then taking them maybe one step further all of the colors are flat uh the line work is typical larson but it's really not embellished to the degree of savage dragon which means it, it's a more loose, more free depiction of the standard Eric Larson magic. I thought it was fun. It's a very, very quick read. Um, again, I admit I don't exactly know what the hell's going on here. Um, this Hannah character who owns or is is the bearer of this ant costume doesn't really know where it came from or what it does or you know why she's in this predicament and she's being chased by these ambulatory giant heads with tentacles and they're shooting cyanic blasts at her like it's cool looking you know it it's it, it reads and and looks for the most part like an eric larson comic but daredevil shows up not marvel's daredevil of course the og boomerang daredevil uh he helps her out and then she is blasted by energy and wakes up in a lab and somebody um, it seems like it's her father tells her that you know this is what you're the subject of and and you know we're all here to help and then she gets a new life and goes somewhere else and meets new people and the series will start with ant number one proper when eric you know steers away from the gully conclusion which is what this is uh, so anticlimactic in a sense that I have no idea where this character's been, uh, you know, what she's endured, I, whatever. Um, but it looks really cool, and uh, I'm a big fan of um, immediacy 
and uh, the the um, the kinetic Kirby-esque uh, aesthetic that that Larson brings to the page. I think it works really well with a, with a, a very uh, light and and you know uh, bare bones style, which is what this is. So um, if you want to see a little different look at Eric Larson, get Ant number 12. Or if you're a Mario Gully fan, you want to know how his book ends, get this. Um, I thought it was good. It, it's, it's not going to shake the foundations of the planet. You know, it, it's, a, it's a comic book that gave me my, my 399's worth, I guess. I know that's not resounding praise, but I enjoyed it. And it, it, it was a, another look at, uh, I think, a, a, a world-class uh, comic book maker just working in a slightly different approach. It worked for me. Read Ant number 12. Okay. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah, you read it too? Yeah, it reminded me of when Larson did that one-shot uh, Hercules. Yes. Yeah. It was like <laughs> oh, his 24-hour yeah. comic that is better than most comics that are put out now. Yeah. It's yeah. the exact same thing. It's that dude just cutting loose and having a blast. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, your travels. Um, I... Uh, this isn't my new travels, but I am co-signing what Jason said about uh, six sidekicks of Trigger Keaton. <laughs> read the first issue, um, loved it. But in your travels, read the Good Asian number two. Um, picking up uh, maybe an hour or so after the end of the first issue, um, but it uh, progresses our story, mystery, um, character development. Nicely. Uh, we do get some interaction between Edison and Victoria Caraway, who we were introduced to in a flashback in the first issue. Um, and yeah, she definitely is not a fan of, uh, of the, um, of the story's lead character. Um, hopefully we'll find out more in the next issue, but, uh, I thought the, um, I thought what, what was done here, um, introducing a couple of the characters and uh, a boogeyman, really, as much as I enjoyed the first issue, and I know we all did, um, th- this issue really kind of has me, uh, I would say, more excited for uh, the rest of the issues, issues as we get to um, get to the conclusion of, um, of the tale. Th- th- there's a beautiful double page spread um yeah i think uh i'm really really enjoying the story there's a um back matter the, the back matter is um is informative and and personal um but yeah uh the porn sack and 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 alexander and then lee Lowridge as as on colors fantastic work uh really looking forward to the third issue i it, it's I'm kind of bummed that I'm it's bittersweet. It, it's I love that I'm reading the issues because I, I want to read this when it comes out, but I really, really want the next issue as soon as I'm done. So I, I, I really want to kind of read it when it's all done, but it's, it's still a really entertaining tale. So, uh, in your travels, the good Asian number two, Respect it. Um, I'm pretty giddy about my inner travels. It's uh, 
from the production standpoint, this book is like an 11 out of 10. Uh, it's also just got nominated for an Eisner Award. I am happy to uh, to say, and that is The Labyrinth, an existential odyssey with Jean-Paul Sartre, nice. uh, written and drawn by Ben Argon. Um, longtime listeners know that my amazing wife, who is supportive of my nerdiness in all ways, uh, has never read a comic book in spite of uh, me being who I am. And I almost got her to read this, although uh-huh. I think she backed out. Because uh, while she's a biologist by trade, she was a philosophy minor in college and uh, and, and likes, or pre- I should say appreciates Sartre. But anyway, uh, this is exactly what it sounds like. It is a graphic novel. Um, and it's it's a, it's a YA. It was written for uh, for school age kids to teach them about Jean-Paul Sartre and uh, his philosophies largely. I mean, the bulk of the book is focused on his concepts on existence and existentialism. Um, And it's done. It's called the labyrinth. The book, it's a square square bound hardcover uh, with a Royal blue uh, print and white, white label. But the book is die cut with a maze in it. And Below that is a kind of a, a page of, of space, like cosmos. So you're looking. So when you're, it, it's just, it's so, it's just goddamn gorgeous. The die cut must have cost a fortune. Um, but regardless of that, uh, the book's fantastic. It is a um, very simply illustrated. It focuses on two mice uh, and basically going through the cosmic existential maze of of existence, and it it covers very. Uh, systematically and methodically um, all of the key questions that Sartre raised in his, in his uh, work. And it's, it's like a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. I mean, I would argue that trying to teach young people something like existentialism is, is no, is no easy task and kind of doing full circle to one of the great things that, Carl said motivated him to do Evermore Falls is that so much YA uh, plays down to the kids and, and treats them like they're uh, doesn't treat them with agency. And, and this book does exactly the opposite. It, 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 uh, it, 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 it absolutely doesn't sugarcoat the complexities of uh, Sartre's views and philosophies, but it still presents it in both a visual and, uh, and structural way that, that I think, school-age kids would be able to read and take something from. Now, they may come out of it with more questions than answers, but ultimately, isn't that what philosophy is all about? So just an absolute grand slam of a book. Um, and it's produced by Abrams, uh, Abrams Comic Arts, their their comic imprint that they started a few years ago. So, yeah, 100%, you all got you to get this if you're at all interested in philosophy or the meaning of existence. Uh, and, um, yeah, so in your travels, check out The Labyrinth, an existential odyssey with Jean-Paul Sartre by Ben Argon. Nice. It's beyond got, nice. Carl? That. Beyond oh, nice. Okay. All, right, nice all right. That. All right. Nice is too. It's too soft a, an adjective for 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 this masterpiece. <laughs> I stay corrected. I stay corrected. Okay, that's better. What you got, Carl? Oh, I get to do uh, in your travels as well. Damn, Skippy, of you course do. you do. Yeah. Oh, I thought that was just a host thing. I'm flattered. 
My In Your Travels isn't necessarily a book or anything like that. In Your Travels, I just want to ask, and this is going to sound cheesy, but I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Be kind to people. Mm-hmm. We've we've been through a lot, and I mean a lot. And we are all running on fumes, and there's a lot in our buckets. So if you you think you are ready to be around people and to exist with people again, do so, but do so kindly, knowing that you don't know what that other person has experienced or is currently experiencing. Little tenderness. So in your travels, be nice to each other. Wow, I like that. And also back Carl Slominski's Kickstarter for Evermore <laughs> Falls. Uh, Run uh, till June 27th. Nice. That's awesome. I can be a capitalist and a hippie. It's totally cool. Jason can't, but you can. <laughs> you gotta walk that fine line. I'm pretty chill, dude. I don't know. Like I'm <laughs> I'm a pretty chill capitalist, you gotta say. I mean, okay. No joke. As my as my eight as my eighteen year old uh socialist son said the other day. Dad, for all the shit I give you, you're pretty based. And I was like, I think that's a really big compliment. And then I had to Google it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, it was a compliment. Good. <laughs> you know you're old when you got to Google words oh. that you can't say. At least you didn't say basic. That's yeah, true. Yeah, no, not not basic. Based. I like it. Straight Which up. is the kid's term for, like, being super grounded, legit. Too legit to quit. That's right. But yeah, unfortunately... Fortunately, we got to quit because this is the end of the episode. And what do we usually do when we have a guest? We slather them with praise and tell them where to go oh. because this guy's oh. worth it. Carl Slominski, look it up. Evermore Falls on Kickstarter. 16 days left to pledge. Six, really? For y'all to get a copy. Oh, yeah. Oh, I've, I've still got two weeks worth of stress. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and Cult of Icarus coming from Scout Comics and a bunch of other things. Awesome commissions. Just do the man and yourself a solid and buy into his work because it's awesome. And we got to thank him for being here. I got to thank you guys for being here. It's been an absolute blast. Uh, before we even got on, I was telling Vince, no smoke up the ass at all. I was just, this is making it. When you're on the EOC, <laughs> okay. this is it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you feel that way. I said it. It's on tape. <laughs> know. All right, people. Uh, if you want more of this EOC experience, such as it is, go to Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, and Instagram. We have uh, presences there. A lot of fun going on. And don't forget about the Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Always a hoot. Capital letters. All of them. Uh, and as usual, we got to do it. Thinking, oh, right. And Carl, feel free to try and knock him off his pedestal. It's, it's not. I don't think I can. Oh, it's not. Hard. No, it's not hard to do. I'll do it again. Good night, because then there'll be oh an issue. God. There'll be an issue, and we don't want that. Good night. Good night. Ooh. <laughs> Which one know. are you going to. Does he going to follow yours, or is he going to follow mine? Could be the difference of a second or two. Yeah. It's a question whose time has come. Right, David. So, yeah. Oh, let's see. Good night. Yes. So, let's all be loud and obnoxious and trying, (laughs) you know, say personal things to get him all ticked off so he forgets to look at his watch. Uh, You know, it's unbelievable how he cheats. He cheats so (laughs) much. 
So pretty. See? David. Oh, uh, I don't know. No, no, oh my God. I, I do. I do. That does not sound like me. Maybe it does. Are you sure? I don't... I'm pretty sure it was an uncanny impression. No. Mm. No. Rich Little. No. There were shades of ah. color. <laughs> ah, we'll give it to him. All right, I people. Carl, say goodnight. Let's go out with you. Let's go out on top. Listen up, my babies. Have yourself a great night and have an even better tomorrow. Look at you. That's it for that one.